can't wait to kick back, chill out, and relax. Escaping all the madness from these maniacs. No more stressing, passive aggression, lack of resting, planning lessons, stupid questions, button pressing, behavior checking, tattle telling, funky smelling, phone collecting, grading testing, fighting depression, tears shedding, so upsetting. The summer break is such a blessing. Ah, summer break. Hello and welcome to Power Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Mobbo's most recreational work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we're back. We're back for two more <laughs> chapters. But before then, a reminder, as we rapidly approach the end of the story, we're also ramping up preparations for our 25-hour live charity wrap-up stream. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really starting to come together. Um, and it's, it's, it's uh, if you guys have half as much fun viewing it as we've had putting it together it should be a blast <laughs> yes there have been a lot of saturday nights who've been yelling out wild ideas for segments that have uh, are now very exciting <laughs> um such as one segment that we're planning to run is uh, a pace spin-off one shot um so obviously pace was our actual play podcast that we did as a donation goal from the last charity live stream um and we're gonna be doing a one shot of it but this time you're gonna be in charge elliot yeah, now that I've played uh, 14 episodes of Pace, I'm an expert at TTRPGs, mm-hmm. so it's time to take the reins. Uh, no, this will be my first time DMing. I'm terrified, but um, I, I feel like I have a good idea, so hopefully it'll be fun. Are we going to allow the audience to you know, mess with you during the, uh, <laughs> during the session, like throw obstacles and challenges in for you to have to deal with? I, I'm I'm going to be honest. Uh, most of the audience participation stuff I have set up will be more around uh, screwing around with you guys than myself. Uh, but um, I mean, I suppose in doing that, I'm setting up a thing yeah, where if they if the audience goes against what to, I yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there will be like a bunch of audience participation. Um, and that should be hopefully very fun. Um, a yes. much more interactive experience. Uh. To not actually touch on the conceit, the audience will be taking the role of the spirits, making decisions on some things. Should be fun. Yes, I remember uh, we did something similar during our last live stream when we did a role-playing session there, and it was absolutely delightful (laughs) having people just throw in random problems for the team to have to deal (laughs) with. I thought it was wonderful. It led to some of our best moments too. Like that that bit with um, Scott's car. I think was spur- like started by a viewer throwing a curveball at me. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up stealing Scott's car from him. Oh, yeah. Stupid yeah, good times, like good times. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're really excited if you can't tell for this live stream. So uh, stay tuned for more details to come, like when it is, <laughs> which we don't know yet, but we will soon and we'll tell you when we do. I- I'm also nervous. Uh, the... The the special song, obviously, our, our Arc 13 thing has been special intro songs. That's the last one that I made before the arc, like, started. Or, or mm. before we before did our first our episode. First episode I made, yeah, yeah I, I made six of them right after the title got announced. And, uh, well, a, a seventh, because we've got a reflecting one lined up. But now I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to make another one. Yeah, there's a lot of breaks happening. <laughs> so uh, this chapter's going on. I mean, this chapter's, like, what, 14? Oh chapters so this arc is like 14 chapters long is that right i yeah it's also by word count 
good times. But it's such a good chapter, so who cares? It could go forever. Um, yeah, it's it's what an arc, yeah. Speaking of, I don't know if I've mentioned this. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, I ever since about arc 10 or maybe arc 9, I've been holding pretty firm onto the theory that 13.13 was going to be the last chapter of this story. Yeah. And as we rapidly approached it, my faith started to waver until the Bobo breaks. brought in a fair number of breaks and seems to be at this point alternating and maybe the breaks are even going to accelerate. Um, so 13.13 could still be the last chapter. If so, that means we only have, <laughs> including 13.11, this week's chapter, two Kenneteer POV chapters before the end of the story, <laughs> which would be so wild, but That's, I don't know, yeah. maybe. I, it, it's possible, uh, but I, I mean, this is the, it I, feels I, pretty unlikely, but it is it it is possible yeah. at this point, isn't it? I, I've completely given. I know I've said this about various things throughout Pale, but specifically Wabo finales. Like even knowing how long Pacts was going to be, mm. I still, for those of you who followed Deep Impact, will know that like halfway through the final arc, I'd still totally misjudged where things were at. Yeah. Um. And like similarly with Ward, uh, Ward's ending sort of caught me by surprise with how rapidly mm. it felt like it came compared to where I, my head was at. So like, yeah. I don't pretend to, to fathom. be able to predict. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's especially relevant for this because we've kind of talked about how for a Fae, you know, I think this was two episodes ago. We talked about the idea that like with, with Ray talking about like the dam bursting, I can't remember if that was one or two episodes ago. Um, The idea of like, with a fae, it always feels like you're losing right until you've plugged that last hole and then suddenly they fall over, right? Yeah. So for all we know, Mrisk is going to show up. There's going to be two chapters of, like, you know, the Kent is feeling like they're about to lose and then suddenly there'll be one final knife in Mrisk's side and then that'll be it and then we'll be into the epilogues <laughs> or something. I don't know. It could happen. You never know, yeah. eh? It, yeah. Well, yeah, there could be 20 chapters left. There could be four, like you're saying. Yeah. I... I I won't even pretend to have a feel for how Wabo does finales. I just know I enjoy them. Yeah. Um, I I do think it's funny though. You brought up that like we seem to be alternating between breaks and yes. not breaks, yeah. and <laughs> I'm having to watch myself because I'm falling into the pattern of noticing that too. And it's like I, I've read enough Wabo stories now to know that that's a trap. Like expecting oh, yeah. any pattern is a trap. In a Wabo yeah, story. expecting a structure like that to hold. Like Wabo will. Wait, this is why I'm not an author because I would have a pattern like that and I'd stick to it because I like patterns. Whereas Wabo will put the story first, and if there's a reason to break it that makes sense, he will. Um, yeah. Even if it is a pattern, and and so yeah. it's, like, it's a trap. Yeah, uh, but I mean the break. You know, I think we were thinking about in the last few episodes how we're actually going to be able to see the Carmine contest when the Kennedys aren't, you know, allowed in basically. Yeah. Um, and we effectively have gotten the answer to that in this in the second chapter that we're talking about this week, which is break three, because, you know, the answer is, oh, the breaks are going to be there to help us see, hopefully, I mean, presumably, more of these battles, right? Um, break yeah, four, well, we're going to get soon, and it's going to be from Breastbiter's perspective, and he's going to fight, you know, Reed and then die. Um, so that'll be fun. No, 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 no. <laughs> you still holding out hope that Breastbiter's going to go all the way? I am all in Team Breastbiter. As of this week. Yeah, uh, any, it was a pretty good breastbiter chapter, wasn't it? Any reservations I had about him uh, have completely disappeared. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that as we get to it. But I'm now the head cheerleader of the uh, breastbiter squad. Yeah. Um, should we get into it? Any more kind of miscellaneous <laughs> thoughts on these chapters before we dive in? Um, 
No, I, I, I guess I just wanted to point out to what you said before. I think all the breaks, te- like arguably, have been about the contest so far. Like even the one with Ray, yeah, it was about so it Charles was getting free. So he Charles could get escaping. Here. Then break yep. two was John getting there, yep. and then break three has been the first fight between John and on uh, Ondvark. Which means um, I'm I'm letting go of my hopes for the Jasmine break where she breaks up with the handsome man. <laughs> Very sad to see that idea go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be enough material for a full chapter would be my thought. I, I like, just, No, because, no, it, like, you know, it won't go that well. And then, like, I, I wanted to see, like, Miss get involved and Jazz maybe start to become a little aware or something. Um, mm. Mostly I just want a chapter from Jasmine's head so we can see the world, like, how she sees it. Try to because she's just so awesome. Yeah, that would be very fun. Hey, um, I guess let's anyway, get so, into it, huh? Yeah. So we start. <laughs> let's actually with, start talking about the chapters now. <laughs> we start with uh, summer break thirteen eleven. We're in Lucy's head, and the countdown finally reaches zero. Elliot zero mm-hmm. nada. Um, I I'd kind of lost the thread of the countdown in between the breaks, uh, but it's here. I actually didn't notice it on my first read, but going back through for for making notes for this show. I saw zero, we start with zero and knowing that, you know, shit really kind of starts to hit the <laughs> fan in these chapters. It's a, it's a perfect way to really uh, indicate that. I suppose the preamble is over in the end game. I'm really glad you brought it up because I missed it on both my raids. Um, and yeah, cause I like you, I guess like now that the fight had actually started and we were in the final day, I moved the countdown out of my brain. Um, but you're right, this is like the best little sort of finale for it. Um, I'm a little sad that we went with zero instead of blast off, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, uh, to, to jump ahead, like the the end of the Alabaster's uh, mm. like interlude in the next chapter very much ends with a sort of like, and here we go moment. Yeah, like, even like though the fucking- two people are already, t- two contestants are already dead. Well, yeah, I but guess it's the Alabaster did Charles- not have high thoughts of them. Yeah, it, it, wait, the, the here we go is really because Charles and Marcy have actually showed up now. Um, well, they're 20 minutes away, but yeah. Yeah, yeah same diff. Um, yeah, quick- it is effectively the same diff, isn't it? It's not like anything's going to happen in the 20 minutes between them breaking the perimeter and them getting to the arena. Oh, I'm sure the Kenneteers will encounter all sorts of trouble in those 20 minutes. Well, sure. Yes, I mean, nothing. Probably Charles, Marcy and uh, Liz are going to have a very breezy stroll over to uh, the Kennet Arena. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I actually got the impression this arc might be ending based on the Alabaster's thing and the fact that now the countdown's hit zero. Um, you've been saying that for like six chapters though, to be honest, yeah. Elliot. I don't think we get, I'm, well, no, I'm getting I, back on the arc 13 is the final arc train. There's no more arcs after this one. Apart sorry, from epilogue for, arc. for six chapters, I've been saying it will end when the thing hits zero and now it has. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like we've had enough breaks to justify the breaks yet, but whatever. Mm. Um, uh, quick little other thing as well before we really get <laughs> into the chapter. Ten minutes into this episode, um, uh, I think uh, it was in it was one of the chapters this week. Uh, we overtook uh, Twig in word count. Hey, suck it, Twig! Uh, we're coming up close on uh, overtaking uh, Worm as well, and finally overtaking Pact in chapter count, which is a fun one. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Thanks for the stats there, Elliot. <laughs> I really um, like stats. So to describe this chapter, <laughs> um, <laughs> this chapter begins, Lucy and the gang are keeping watch over the arena, preparing to prevent Charles from attempting to enter. Uh, Zed does a bit of quick cheeky spying on Jasmine. 
I mean, you say Lucy and the gang, but something that sort of comes True. up is that it is just Lucy. I mean, some goblins are running around the car park. But, yeah, Chloe um, and Nibs are here. Verona shows up pretty quick. Yeah, but, but like the Chloe and Nibble are very much in the distance, and you know, like goblins are. I mean, they are company, but not not the company Lucy needs right now. <laughs> how yeah, I phrase it. Um, I yeah, I really like this moment when Zed like sort of first identifies that she's alone. Where she has that moment where he's like, "Are you guys okay?" And mm. uh, Lucy sort of explains where Avery and Verona are, and Zed's like, "Wait, you're alone?" Um. Because I'd sort of not quite tracked that. Like between mm. her being on the phone call and stuff, I'd been like, "Oh yeah, she has people around. This is fine." And then it sort of hit me the same moment it hit Zed, and it was like, "Oh, how you should yeah. not do that right now." I'm glad you're on the phone at least. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Lucy's obviously still not in a great place following the hellish night that she's been having. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Zed and Bree do pretty well to get Lucy into kind of like battle-ready mode. Um, I feel kind of bad saying that because obviously she's in a bad place and, you know, doing the old Verona move of squashing that down so that she can keep fighting is not great, but probably necessary for right now. Yeah, I, I think this is a situation where it becomes what I would actually recommend. Like, I think mm. we spent a lot of this podcast ragging on the Kennedys as a whole, but yeah, particularly Verona for not actually addressing their issues. This is a situation where do we think we're being un- do we do you think we're too unfair to her as a podcast? I definitely project my own problems with myself onto Verona mm. more than the other two, so probably. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do think I do think Verona does it the worst, but then again, yeah, I don't know. She's the one who I I feel like I've connected to with having the same problems the most. So yeah. yeah, and she's probably the one who has the most active problems in her life right now. Hey, I just feel like she's done the least to actually address them. She continues to bottle them up. But anyway, well, as, as I'm as I'm as I'm saying, let's, let's continue to be unfair to Verona in this Lucy <laughs> chapter. <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair though, no, like in in this day like that they are in now, yes, that becomes the good to thing to do. Up, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there, there's a bigger. <laughs> thing going on right now but then again i don't know like one of the themes of of lucy's brain in this chapter is like um being willing to make the hard decisions when you're pushed to it right um yeah and potentially us saying that to saying okay now's the time to bottle it down and you know and push through whatever is is falling more into what lucy's talking about like making the the unhealthy decisions even though that's sliding down the slope of taking away from your victory i I don't know i don't know if i agree or not with with that thought but just kind of like yeah it feels like it's along the same lines at least right um maybe merits a bit more thought i don't know i don't know yeah i no, i see what you're saying um i like it it depends on what it is so for instance like avery's still not going to tell them that she's leaving presumably Mm. right Mm. and that's bad because what that means is it can be like weaponized against them like I, i've seen a lot uh, of theories and i hundred uh, percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. like everyone's expecting marisica to weaponize that, to drop that um, bomb pretty soon um, yeah presumably very soon yeah yeah um whereas like i don't like something like like this here with like lucy just trying to distract herself from the stuff with her mom and like focus on other battles like this is a situation mm. where it's like yeah forget that shit you've got plenty to deal with like that's something you can repress right now Mm. And I, I, I am worried because there's a lot of signs in this chapter that Vero- uh, sorry Lucy is um basically just suffering from a bit of like 
psychological shock. Like she's got mm. the shakes and <laughs> she's been through a lot. Mm. Um, so, you know, sort of not dealing with that right now is kind of how you end up with PTSD. Mm. Um, but also uh, sitting out and letting your town get destroyed by Marissa and Charles would probably also lead to some bad um, fallout. So, yeah, fun times in Kennet right now. <laughs> yep. <sighs> yeah, definitely. Um I, I do, to, to go back to Zed and his attempts to comfort mm. her, I did want to call him out for, like, I, I like how adaptive he is. Like, he keeps sort of trying different strategies and responding to what Lucy's actually saying to him. Mm. Um, like, he tries humor, doesn't work, so he, like, tries to relate. Um, then he, like, ultimately is just like, why don't I help try to connect to your mom and, like, take some weight off your shoulders in that regard. Uh, and then he pulls probably his best move, which is handing the phone over to Bray and letting her do it. Um <laughs> But yeah, just uh, I, I I really liked how Zed and Bree sort of handled being Lucy's emotional support network in this moment. Yeah, I don't know if if we should be that critical of Zed. I kind of felt like Zed was doing a pretty good job in the sense of, like, I mean, Bree seems to think that Zed is being too blunt with Lucy, but we're Lucy says she wants that. Yeah, yeah, we're at the point like again going back to the theme of like needing to push it down because we're in we're in you know fight or die mode effectively um withholding information for for the means of like being more sensitive is not the thing you want to do right now i don't think yeah and you're right and because i think lucy explicitly like when Bree brings it up a few times lucy's like no no, no i want to hear this yeah um it, it, so it's information yeah. that is important for strategic decision making you know yeah yeah it, like it's relevant stuff like he he's not just like you know hitting her with unnecessarily harsh information it's all yeah. pertinent yeah. um i i yeah i don't know i i do think though like for someone else like avery or verona i think Bree's tactic of just trying to talk about anything else would have been really good like she just brings up school and stuff then she makes the mistake of bringing up dogs, uh, which was pretty funny. She's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go back and see the dogs," and I was like, "Oh, that's not no, no, whoops, not, not a word." Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're. Right. I, I thought they both did pretty well, um, mm. especially yeah. considering, yeah, like they were the only ones who were talking to her at this point. <laughs> um, the other thing I, I really wanted to bring up from this segment, um, so Jazz is still out with the handsome man. Yeah. Is it not like 4 a.m.? Yeah, I mean, so John set out at midnight, took him, yeah. what, like three hours or so after all the Kenneteer shenanigans to, yeah. to get in. Feels about right. Yeah. I Maybe mean, like 3, 3.30. Fucking party hard, Jasmine. Yeah. Um. And, you know, <laughs> Zed had pictures. They were like, Jazz and the handsome doctor were out chit chatting to another couple. Is that right? Yeah. What a long night. I, I have to see, like, because obviously, um, like those who listen to our, our other show, The High Ground, uh, will know, like, Georgia is a doctor here. And, like, if it works the same in Canada, like, she every couple of weeks has to do nights, um, mm, mm. where she's like working. So she's used to the late night shifts. Well, yeah. It, 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 most people in the hospital are just sort of used to having to adjust it because, like, they don't usually, like, you know, it's not something where they put you on nights permanently, or some people mm. get that and they're all a bit. Um, like different is how Georgia describes them. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Vampires. You can just say yeah. they're vampires. <laughs> um, but like the majority of people <laughs> hey, will. Be about a night shift. 
So don't go out in the day. That's my impression <laughs> of a nighttime doctor. <laughs> doctor, do you Acula. need a blood transfusion? <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So they don't like they don't do night shifts all all the time. But yeah, like you know, they'll do a couple of weeks on and off. So I guess like it's probably not that crazy to assume shift workers like that might just be up for <clears throat> like if Jazz is working the evening shift, which like like here they do one of the shifts that ends at midnight and the other one starts at midnight, which is a fucking mm. weird choice. Mm. Um, like so, if they're both coming off of those sorts of shifts, then maybe yep. Jasmine went went to work, finished at midnight, and then went out, and then went out on her date with with a handsome yeah. guy. Um, so less of a party animal uh, look in the end, but it still definitely came across. Like the first time, I was like, "What? It's four a.m. Go to bed. <laughs> Too old for this shit, Jazz." Yeah, I know. Definitely a late night. Uh, but it's kind of good. That it's late night because otherwise she'll get home and Lucy won't be there and we'll be like, what the fuck is going on? Why is Lucy out? Also, I had the same thought of like, oh, it's really early in the morning right now, isn't it? One, because they're, t- you know, in the in the next chapter with the fight with Onvarg, they, they kind of start breaking all the lights. But it um it is going to lead to this moment of the sun rising at the end of this story. I could just kind of picture the image of that now. And I don't know what yeah. Kenneth's going to look like under those, you know, the, the, the light of that rising sun, but I'm eager to find out. Uh, yeah. I mean, a, a bloody sun rising doesn't feel like it'd be an important imagery moment in, in a story <laughs> in a world like this. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It'll absolutely be a, a moment like mm. the sunrise. Yeah. Um, um in fact sorry speaking of imagery i do just want to say mm. i fucking love like um lucy looks at kennett with her sight from the roof of the arena and just like you know she she actually says that the town is painted re- in red watercolor um the sky is red the moon is just like pale and white uh around that like swords are covering the town marking like the sites of battles like just the imagery in this world and this story is so cool mm, yeah yeah very cool um so yeah uh loose is uh preparing and we start to get a number of indications that team Conner- uh, Kenneteer is not operating 100 percent on the same page hmm. and I, I i wrote a lot of these off on my first read through was just like hmm. you know little moments but like they stood out to me a lot more on my second read through. Yeah, like after Lucy had called them out, you I, you really see a lot of them. Even you know, even before the the one or two that she explicitly calls out in her mind. Yeah, like I think subconsciously this is seeding stuff in your head because you, you're I didn't consciously process all of these moments, but like with the theme of the chapter in mind, going through it the second time, like everything yeah. from Verona arriving and needing to like bail last minute because she doesn't realize yeah. Lucy's watered yeah. to um, Avery just. Karate kicking, yeah, um, flipping a witch hunter in the head because she thinks Verona's dead because she doesn't check with them. Like just all, all these little things quickly add up on the second read through. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, <laughs> and then we get to the fight with the witch hunters who are clearly on the same page. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I think um, I don't know. I could see it being something that is raised and then Lucy kind of semi-resolves it later in the chapter and maybe that's enough, but I, I suspect we're going to see one more. We're going to see it make a difference in a pivotal moment or, or come up in a pivotal moment at least. 
Yeah, especially because part of me can't help but think that uh, some of these seeds of discord being planted in the Kenneteers are Marisikas. Um, I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, as much as I'm sure some of them are just, like, organic problems that existed within the group that we, we've been talking about for ages, like, there's no doubt in my mind that Marisika has massaged some of those issues so that they've been more exacerbated than they otherwise might have been. Well, I mean, you know, we've been talking about Avery leaving Kenneth for Thunder Bay, and that to me feels like the most explicitly seeded yeah. by Marisika for this exact purpose of using it during this, like, in a way that is almost insane to think that that could have been what Marisika was up to when they first had that conversation with her with the nine traps. But, like, it really feels like it's it's true. It really feels like, oh, yeah. you know, Marisika isn't even going to need to get it from, like, John or anyone else. She's just going to know it because she seeded it in Avery's mind all those uh, all those months ago. Yeah, or... or um. You know, like maybe it was a decision Avery was going to make eventually at some point anyway, and yeah, Mariska's just accelerating it. But you're right. Mm. Like This is that whole thing Ray was talking about, whereas afterwards we're pointing to this like perfect line of causality where Mariska seeded this thing. But that's not really how she was. She was just, you know, fairy, and they'd hate that I'd say this, she just kind of throws spaghetti at the wall and some of it's stuck. Yeah, totally. I mean, she's she's seen who Avery is and from there we'll be able to you know is able to to pick out the threads that will uh, yeah. lead to the outcomes that she wants well and and not just that like obviously she had um the nine gifts that she gave them and mm. we talked about this with the um the, like fortune teller in the fairy markets in arc eight where that fairy was sort of like oh she's young and i think verona phrased it as like she blew her whole load with those nine gifts so like not necessarily all nine of those things Marisica has done will be like pivotal, but that like that's the point is she put nine things out there, set nine things in motion, and yeah. if a couple of them work in her favor, that might all be all she needs. Yeah, um, like the Pam thing doesn't really seem to have gone her way in the end. Well, oh, so, the Kenneteers, I think the Kenneteers won that fight. Right? Yeah, like the Pam thing could have gone that way, but worse. the Kenneteers did took enough steps to close that door for Marcy. And that's the part that is, like, hard to keep in mind is while it feels like they're losing ground, they have, hopefully, unless Pam comes back in the next few chapters, they Mm. have won some solid battles that they just didn't really know were pivotal battles because they didn't become that. Because this is the other side. We can't, I I, I can't confidently say that the Pam thing was a win for them. I think it was. Mm. But if it turns out that I'm wrong... I'm not going to be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Lucy and Verona are kind of prepping, uh, but their prep is interrupted by a gun that gets shot at them. <laughs> uh, Lucy's protections are enough to protect them, but the bullet kicks off a fight between the Kenneteers and these two witch hunters that we have alluded to. Uh, yes. Uh, and as you said, like, obviously... Fitting in with the theme of the chapter, these two are just incredibly in sync. Yeah. Um, and it it really sort of highlights how much the Kenneteers are not. Um, yeah. I, I, I love um, something that happens right at the start of this fight is Avery shouts out to Lucy to warn her of, of some incoming blow. And, you know, like three lines later, um, the the woman whose name I can't remember shouts out to Emmett, who's the, the, the male sister. I think her name's Marta. Yeah, that's right, Marta. Um, uh, and it's just like, I, I saw this on my second read through and I was like, 
I mean, they're, they're, it's like, again, we've seen a lot of the Kenichis being used to compare to different groups, but mm. I love that the Witch Hunters here are so clearly set up as they're the Kenichis, but they're just more competent right now. <laughs> you know, they're <laughs> just more on the same page. And it's just so fun. Um, also very, like, like, humanizing that these two are, like, watching each other's backs and calling out, like, oh, watch out for that monster yeah. that's going to come around here and get you. Like, they're... they're you know, it, it's humanizing enough that I dislike that the Kennedys are on the opposite side for these. Like, <laughs> they're, they're not um, Cleos, they're, they're humans, you know? <laughs> uh, All shade intended. Yes, on Cleo there. Um, Very fair, I think, yeah. given what we've seen about <laughs> when, when later on they're, you know, counting out the witch hunters as they line up and uh, Lucy thinks, no Cleo. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> thank god we don't have to worry about her or maybe that means we have to worry about her more i don't fucking know yeah true true um that, that said like as much as the focus here really is on how the, the kennedy's sort of aren't on the same page mm. i do just have to call out how how much i do fucking love this barrier lucy sets up for herself like it's it's not a very good team play because especially since the others aren't aware of it, it causes more problems than I think it arguably solves. It, mm. it stops a bullet that was fired at her, so that's probably not true. But mm. um, just like like having this thing powered by, uh, she picks like Engine Head and Smolder, who are the two really like synergy with her whole smoke deal um, spirits. Like the way the Kennedys are constantly surrounding themselves with like spirits that vibe with them. I'm just so glad the spirits got added to this story. They're fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I love this concept. I love the idea of Lucy smoking with her going red eyes and she's got this barrier that reaches out and stops bullets that get fired at her. Like, that's cool as fuck. Yeah. It's pretty bad. I'll say. Um, and we saw like, uh, oh, oh, like Ver uh, Avery a couple of chapters ago had like a dish and lot as she was juggling her wolf and deer thing. Um, I'm waiting for like Verona's big. Mo oh, I suppose she had um, long. Uh, mm. She was hosting long for a while, so maybe that counts. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get more. I feel like we still have to see a few more tricks up Verona's sleeves. I mean, we saw the uh, the alchemical bottle in the fight with the witch hunters here, but I feel like Verona's yeah. got a few more desperation plays that she's probably got cooking. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I just uh, just like aesthetically, I love the idea of these spirits as like things that the Kennedys are calling in and they vibe so well with like parts of them, but like, it, you know, it's not like she's pulling in like the smoke spirit or, or anything that basic, like just that extra step of them being like dish or um, like smolder here. Like they're, they're just sort of creative enough that you really feel the uniqueness to these like cool themed abilities. The Kennedys are giving themselves temporarily. I it's, it's just awesome. Mm. Mm. Yeah yeah <laughs> they're a cool trio aren't they <laughs> <laughs> um i want to i want to kind of get your vibes on the witch hunters and whether i don't know whether there's like any chance of the witch hunters being redeemable or on the same page as the kennedy's here i think we're jumping across the two chapters a bit but i think that's fine like yeah because to start with this fight with these two witch hunters here starts with them shooting a gun at lucy and that's like Obviously, a straight to the point. They are here to capital HW hunt witches, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but having said that, the 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 battle slows down a bit, and in break three, the next chapter, we get 
moments of the witch hunters starting to get glimpses that there are things at play here that are bigger than them, or at least bigger than they thought it was, right? Like, that's the yeah. impression I got, at least. I know we we talked a lot when the witch hunters were first showing up about what are the battle lines going to be between the three groups of Massa, witch hunters, Kenneteers. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Is there a world where the witch hunters are more of a help than a hindrance, <laughs> or is that just unrealistic? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in the past. I think the last time we talked about this, you reminded me we sort of ran a discussion question asking people where they think the witch hunters can go. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm super interested by this idea that seemingly a lot of them uh, at the end of this week have joined the competition, uh, perhaps not really understanding what they're doing. Or uh, um, Yeah, did they join or are they just kind of crashing the party and they're not they're not there to compete but just to... I don't know, fuck shit up. We'll have to see, I, I guess. Well, I think if they're just there to fuck shit up, then the judges will fuck them up. Mm. Um, yeah, I know, it's going to be super interesting. I do think there's hope, like, uh, the, the ones at the end of next chapter that Avery and uh, Lucy are with, I think it's, like, Clint. Um, Roxy. Rocky. Yeah, yeah the it? angry one, yeah, Rocky. Rocky. Um, and I, I think there was another one there, maybe, but, like, it, it seems like there's maybe room for a dialogue to be opened there, but, like, Mm. this wider group of witch hunters has clearly like the time for talking passed a, a week ago at this point um mm. and i guess i'm just glad that they're all pointed not at Kenneth the kennedy's way at this point i wonder if we'll see any kind of fracturing in the groups like um we've got the witch hunters that were on the that have broken in around the back and then we've got clint and, and rocky and, and that gang that are seemingly more hesitant it, mm. Obviously, we have the the nice witch hunters and the lighthouse gang as well. Or sorry, was that it? It was the what was the what was the name of the group that Cleo was from? Was it the lighthouse? Is that right? Uh, no, no, the lighthouse. Is everyone no, else, Cleo was you, Montreal. Montreal, that's it. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, is there an opportunity that that they're going to you know fracture along the lines of being a decent person that, or not? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because the. The thing there is now there's like a bunch, like only half the squad we met in Arc 12 are still here. And it kind of sounds like most of them are uh, with the Kenneteers now. Um, mm. So they're the group that we could sort of hopefully save. Whereas like, um, you know, Elise and Harris and stuff are dead. And then it sounds like 90% of these reinforcements are people we've never met. So they're probably, and you know, they're coming in to mop up a mess where like a bunch of other witch hunters died. So of course they're going to be like, uh, like angry and shitty and not talky. Uh, like not willing to talk out problems luckily they're all the ones who have seemingly gone to die in the in the, the competition so it'll be interesting to see yeah just where it goes with these remaining ones yeah and just like i i'm really interested to see how the judges do handle the witch hunters because like there needs to be that acknowledgement that witch hunters wouldn't exist if practitioners were doing their fucking job like that they they sprung up organically to fill up a hole that practitioners were meant to be covering mm. um so I'd be, I'm, I'm super interested to see what the judges really think of them when they open the dialogue. The Alabaster was very mum on her actual opinion of yeah. what they are and what they represent. Yeah, true. That's an interesting uh, thread to, to pull out. Um, but yeah, um, the other thing that really comes up, like so aside from the fact that uh, these, these two other um, witch hunters that the Kennedys are fighting are really in sync, uh, the other sort of thing that is constantly in Lucy's mind throughout this chapter is uh, the Kennedys are really thinking about how to manage their resources 
Uh, they they talk a lot about balancing, like they need to use, like this is the night they want to use everything, but then also yeah. they don't want to use it all too early. Yeah, um, or like they want to use the glamour before Marcy shows up, for example, yeah. because that's obviously a bit of a weakness. Uh, but like that, that's almost weakness. the easiest. That's almost the easiest one. Like you can just say, "Go yes. hard on the glamour now," because we won't need it later. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm saying this is, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm saying this is one of those people who gets to the final boss in a video game with like, <laughs> you know, a full stack of grenades. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it's a really hard thing because yeah, like they don't know how many fights they're going to have to be in, so there's every chance they leave themselves vulnerable. But then, yeah, at the same time, like you don't want to come out of this day with half of your arsenal still behind you. Yeah, um, that will lead to regrets for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, on the other side as well, though, like this fight was so cool because like the Kennedys are really just pulling for like they've gathered so much cool shit throughout this whole story, and we were seeing like Avery brings out her glass crowbar that's brand new and is now. Mm fucking gone uh, <laughs> for the is. day which is all that matters um and then like you know lucy is pulling out new curses but then they're also using like their old staples from the early arcs it's just, like it was really fucking cool seeing all this shit from the entire story come in and out as they were just like cycling through tricks i was like oh uh, we spent a million and a half words gathering all this cool shit now we're using it and that's awesome mm. yeah i wonder if we'll get a uh you know Ten tiers backpacks bonus material again. That would be kind of nice, <laughs> I reckon. Just as like a, here's all the tricks they have up their sleeve, ready to go. It, it'd be too long now. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> like like all just so many little things. Like even later on, they walk past the arena and Lucy thinks, "Oh yeah, we opened that with the rat fink key." And I was like, "Fuck, I forgot about the rat, the fink, rat fink key." key like, yeah, like that's from like ten arcs ago. Like everything's coming out, and and it's just really cool seeing all the new stuff and all the old stuff we forgot about and they're going through all of it um that said though like in talking about that balance of of not using it all too quick they go through a lot in this fight against these two witch hunters emma Mm -hmm. and marta and what are they what what does it achieve like they get a shield they do they do acquire the shield shield (laughs) that's true like like that is a good loot drop but like I mean, overall, they didn't even really defeat these two. Like, No, yeah, you're right. It, it definitely feels like they just kind of got in and got out with a shield. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they really accomplished. They they used a lot of stuff in the process, too. Like, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, it, it sort of comes back to all the stuff Lucy's worried about them being out of sync. Like, this is the thing. They kind of they used a lot of stuff, and I don't think this was a fight that really warranted it. Lucy, the mm. second she caught up to Avery, should have been like, let's let's bail yeah let's fucking get out of here um i don't know or yeah or they should have yeah tried to actually win it um and, and i suppose the, the other last thing i want to bring up is they're like juggling all this stuff and we're talking about not using glamour to we haven't seen them talk at all about any possible plan they might have to actually confront marissica right <laughs> like it, last time we went for a confrontation with marissica they spent mm. like uh almost half an arc transforming themselves Planning, learning yeah. new tricks and then they didn't even really get FaceTime with her because she still won. <laughs> and well, I'm like, she, okay. she didn't play the play the rules of the game. Yeah, set up right. Yeah, but I, like, it's just you, you, we're, we're talking so much about oh, we're going to go intercept Charles and Marissa and stop them, and it's like we spent so much time dedicating everything to being able to even lightly confront Marissa last time. Didn't even get close. I don't understand what the Kennedy's plan is to actually confront Marissa this time. Like, they seem to just hope that all of the shit they have now will let them. Uh, stop her, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, I don't. Well, it's a fairy, so maybe no plan is the best plan. Like that's very gobliny, I suppose. But like, but, yeah. there hasn't been that same purpose behind. Like, oh, when we go up against Mariska, we need to goblinize ourselves. They don't necessarily need to stop Mariska, though, right? They have to stop Charles, seemingly. I mean, uh, yes, but like Mariska, obviously, fighting Mariska will be involved with that. But yeah. Charles is much simpler to to hurt. <laughs> I mean, I suppose. Tell that to the Blue Heron Institute. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, Charles is the easy target, but uh, not while Marissica's backing him. With Marissica behind him, they seem to be able to pull off some insane shit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just sort of surprised by seemingly the lack of purpose behind how they want to tackle Marissica. They do seem to just be planning on winging it. And. I don't have a better plan. I'm just surprised there haven't been conversations about like, what do we do when we find her? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, so yeah, uh, back to the witch hunters they're fighting. Uh, Freak and Squeak get pulled in to join the fray and Lucy deploys a curse on Emmett before giving him a death by a thousand cuts with a fan. <laughs> I love that it's called the Whittler's Curse. Um, <laughs> that name really holds up. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, I think what she does that is arguably has a bigger impact than this curse she lays on him is she puts down a silence rune uh, that affects the two of them, which means he can no longer communicate with Marta. And that's really what allows her to get the upper hand and do stuff like put the curse on him is um, she cuts off their communication. And I suppose as we're talking about Mariska, presumably having done this to the Kenneteers, I'm like, something to think about, Lucy, that like uh, seemingly in a story that has, you know, since day one really been about cooperation and teamwork, we're seeing that one of the best ways you can do that is cut people off from each other. Uh, it's happened to the Kenneteers. They're doing it to people here. Like maybe that's how you get to Charles. If you can figure out just, you just need to get him away from Mariska and then he's an easy target. Mm. Easier yeah. said than done, of Hopefully. course. But- <laughs> yeah yeah um and like verona even here she starts experimenting with um i guess like some sort of psychic uh stuff like she's pulling on their connections and, and or pushing vibes through their connections um which i assume they can only do because they awoke together mm. um it doesn't work here but i was like holy fuck if that's an ability you guys can get where you can basically psychically send like vibes to each other that will be hugely powerful yeah it's definitely a useful one hey like lucy makes fun of uh emmett and marta's like grunt system and it's like well you have the potential for a way cooler one right here you don't need to use grunts you can just pull on each other spiritually (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um i i want to bring out the fact that lucy pulls out another curse here because like i think we kind of alluded to this when we were talking about that how they're going to deal with marcy but the whole reason that these curses were the thing that Lucy turned to was because they were so unlike what she would normally use, like it, almost explicitly because they were representations of what she saw as some of the worst or at least very unlike her ways to engage with the problem, right? Um, and when she was going over the list of curses, almost all of them were very ones that she ruled out for being too mean, basically, right? <laughs> um this is one of the simpler ones. She talks about it being like an entry level curse and it doesn't feel as mean of some, as some of the other ones we read about, but I don't know, like 
this chapter ends with Lucy thinking about whether she is willing to kill Musa, basically. And this feels like, again, more steps around that road of, you know, the Kenneteers doing things that past versions of themselves would have called unacceptable steps Um, to take. Yeah. Also, from memory, specifically with Lucy and the cursing, I think her framing around that, using it for the Marusica prep, was more around... um, she'd done it a bad way before and moved away from it then. Mm. Like, uh, like the problem wasn't that it was something she, she didn't want to, or she, she wouldn't do it. It was something that she did too easily. Um, mm. and, and I think that the idea of her re-finding it and finding that balance really gels with what she's been doing in terms of finding this balance between being the smoke and the knife, right? Like, it's she's learning how, when, like, when to have an effect and when to, you know, sort of, uh, move around stuff like she she's not confront she's not confronting everything directly anymore. Mm. Um, wait, wait, the widower's curse, yeah, like, like it feels like another one that I can I can see her using in this sort of moral way because it's one where the way it loses its effect is if you stop fighting. Um, mm. I can kind of get behind a curse that's effect is to make like you know that rewards you for not fighting anymore. Um. <laughs> But then at the same time, also while it's fighting, she fucking like, yeah, death by a thousand cuts him, which is pretty grisly. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. Like all of the curses that we heard about have some level of built in fairness in air quotes. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like still feels again, not bad or even anything that I would disagree with, but like another marker of, being more willing to blur the lines in desperation, which is what leads, what has led to the current practitioner society, right? Yeah, it'd be interesting to, I, I, I forgot to go back and look whether the Whittler's curse was something we heard about in that chapter where she was picking yeah, curses. True. Or is, because or, or, like one of the big things is she had this ready to go. Like she didn't draw this curse on the fly. Mm. She had it in her paper stack. So this was yeah. premeditated. It was prepped, yeah. Um. The, the question is whether she did that before or after Charles escaped, because I think Charles escaping was sort of that point where she mm. started to consider things are going um, much worse. We're losing ground. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, uh, like for, for me, that would be the clincher on on yeah, wh- like you know wh- whether your instinct is right. That like, go, I, and I think you probably are. That it's like this is something that she was more willing to use after Charles escaped, because mm. um, she would have had time to prep prep it between now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Um hey, Lucy also calls out <laughs> that uh Emmett looks at Marta uh and Lucy thinks he looked at his partner, wife, sister, maybe a combination of two of the three. And I know which two I'm hoping it's not. Um <laughs> but thinking about it, they are clearly partners. So that means one of the two if it's two thirds, it's a kind of a logic puzzle, right? Two thirds, <laughs> two thirds of these, they're clearly partners. So that means one third is partner, which means it can't be wife and sister. So that's good. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely. I, I feel like this this just sort of ties into Lucy is incredibly harsh on these two in her internal monologue. <laughs> yes, like she is. Isn't she? It, it took it took me back to reading Ward, if I'm being honest. Like <laughs> the, the way she just like absolutely blasts the way they look. Yeah. Um, and, and like I read this as very much like. You know, like I do think she's a little bit in shock, and 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 loosely that sort of comes out as anger. And I think this is just like 
she's just mentally not very forgiving right now. And so it's like she's she's looking for an excuse to be angry. So when these two show up in her head, she can sort of be like, oh, they look stupid and they don't even they do their haircuts themselves and they're bad. I should fight them. Because, mm. um, yeah, it, like just comments like that feel very kind of harsh by Lucy's standards. Like she's not usually just looking at people and being like, there's a like fifty percent chance they're inbred, like <laughs> pretty harsh, eh? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Chill out a bit, Lucy. I mean, I know you're <laughs> on opposite sides, and they did shoot a gun at you, so maybe you don't have to chill out that much. But I think just with all the stuff going on with her mom and John, she's just yeah, like you know, the 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 barriers to her, you know, steering herself in the right direction are just you know not there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Avery and Lucy regroup with Rona and the other sides all rally up to, we've got the witch hunters here and Musa appears carrying with him Zed and Bree. <laughs> this is a very like hype moment. Like Musa just arriving is just yeah. very much like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know it wasn't this, but I really pictured the, almost like a superhero landing kind of vibe of. Musa just falling out of the sky, landing on one knee, slowly rising and looking over the Kenneteers in front of him. No, I see. I, I, he's got much more, uh, and it's the vibe I prefer over that. It's like the the number man vibes of just like just casually strolling in and looking around like nothing matters to you. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's that. the vibe he gives off to me. Like he just sort of strolls in, looks around, and it's just like bored because this is all beneath him. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, we should we kind of mention the fact that Lucy brings up that the gang's a bit off kilter and they, they kind of she calls out like hey Avery like I know you were feeling like you were behind don't feel like you have to prove anything like she takes some good steps here to kind of hopefully level everyone out a bit uh, I don't know if that's enough to resolve it we'll have to see mm. <laughs> uh, yeah no I don't feel like it's resolved but like you know acknowledgement's the first step um, yeah it's good so it's um, I mean that moment you called out with Avery specifically feels like um, I, I feel like Lucy is accidentally exactly on the money there because Avery gives her a weird look afterwards. And I was like, it's been a long time since we were in Avery and Verona's heads. But uh, like Lucy's right. Avery was very upset at how much of their last few days her getting this stuff cost. Mm. And I can totally see in Avery's head, this is their last day together. She's uh, She's going to have to tell them after this is over that she's leaving like, she probably does really want to be the one who makes a difference so she can yeah. feel better about leaving. Is she leaving today? Like on the, the day that it's now 4 a.m. of? I think or is tomorrow. Okay. I'm not sure. I, I am a little confused about exactly. I, I feel like everything's like, been a bit in denial, so we haven't really been seeing an actual timeline there. <laughs> oh, it's the same with like school. I don't know if school, I think the school starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, which I think, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it, yeah, it, you know, it's, a, it's it's one of those things with the English language where you get a bit confused about whether something is on the deadline or the day after the deadline. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, like, <laughs> I have, I have no idea, but, um, it, well, you know, it's within 24 hours of now. She probably has to tell them realistically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do see Avery being in a zone of like needing to be the one who sort of saves the day, uh, putting extra pressure on herself so that she can feel better about telling them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, another fun thing that happens here. Uh, Cherry uh, attempts to throw the cursed rock <laughs> at Masa and, you know, makes it about, I don't know, one-tenth of the distance between them, which is a hilarious <laughs> moment. But again, just like, this rock, it's got to 
it feels like it's going to play a role in the finale, right? Like, I don't know if Wildbo's <laughs> faking us out, but, like, this rock has been here for so long. We keep thinking Cherry's going to use it to to play some pivotal role, but I still hold out hope, Cherry. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's going to be like you're going to get it back to Marcy again at one pivotal moment, and it's going to deal the uh, – the, the the you know the penultimate blow that will allow Lucy to come <laughs> in and finish her off or whatever. I do. Um, I see because I'd seen a bunch of people. I think on our Discord and and some others maybe mention that they were like, oh, uh, maybe Cherry Pop will give the rock to Massa. I think it was a semi popular fan theory. I very much read this moment as Wildbo mocking people Playing who believe that us. theory. Yeah. <laughs> um. That said, I, I I tend to agree. I I really want this rock to be one of the things that help Cascades victory, yep. just because it will be hilarious. It would be so good. Um, I mean, I guess she's not in the competition, so it can't be used against Breastbiter. I feel like mm. using it against another Goblin or Marisica would be the other person. Yeah, just like playing into that goblin fairy dynamic where she's the shittiest tier of Goblin and she gets the victory. Just feel <laughs> it, it will be beautiful. Hey, is there a reason that John couldn't have or couldn't still request all the other Kenneteers and Kennet others as teammates for the contest? I think the ship has sailed now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, he absolutely could have, yes. And it's not like they have to die. Like, you know, like, yeah. as but, I understand, you know. the helpers are allowed to leave after, even if they're person loses maybe maybe entering the contest means that you're inherently tied to the seat as well which possibly is bad so if john ends up winning they all have to be kind of carmine whatever peons um um yeah i i, I don't think that that's the case but I, I guess the risk would be that like even if they can leave when he dies i mean presumably they're going to put their selves on the line to make sure that that doesn't happen and that's mm. what he wants to avoid Right. Yes. Um, that, that tracks. Uh you just spurred an interesting thought that I've just had, which is do does the contestant need to consent to their helpers being their helpers? Like mm. can, can the Kenneteers just can say the we're on be Charles' helpers team? To Marcy or Charles? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. What a like, twist that would be. Like, surely that's not an option, but, like, fuck, it would be funny if they were just like, yep, we're going to help Charles and then just fucking, like, uh, you know, just do the, the sort of worst job they possibly can. <laughs> I feel like if you go into, in air quotes, help Charles, the judges will probably call shenanigans if you end up, then you just kind of punch him in the face or whatever first chance hey, it's, you get. It, it, it's Charles and Marissica's fault that they're not on the same wavelength and they're not a very good team right now. Yeah, like, true. They're not, they're not good at leading their subordinates. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why they shouldn't win. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> uh, it also kind of opens up the possibility of, like, is there somebody in Kenneth they could use it to make a kind of self-sacrificial play of entering the contest, bringing all the Kenneth others and Kenneths as their, you know, their, their, their seconds, getting in, fucking over, you know, Charles and Marcy, and then just like, I mean, this person will need to die, I guess, <laughs> but no, then uh, like throwing it to John. No, uh, Guillermet. Guillermet uh, is, is a good option. True. I've been, I've been spooking my Guillaume will take the throne theory for a while, but um, mm. you're right. I, I'd also be willing to accept the the situation where you, Guillaume gets it. Intentionally, yeah. Yeah, just so it's just him and John. Like, he gets it to the point where, yeah, 
John can win because Guillaume interfered and then sacrificed himself. Mm. Um, I could see that happening. Actually, that, that's probably the one path I can see John ending up on the throne through now is, is Guillaume actually not winning but going in to like, sacrifice himself for John. I'm also, it served John fucking right that his only mate sacrificed himself did a self-sacrifice, him. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out if there's a way, because I think it would th- be thematically wild, to get the Hungry Choir slash Yolda to be this sacrificial play so that the final scene is John having to choose to kill Yolda again to take the <laughs> Carmine throne. I'm sorry, I know that's horrifying, but I'm trying to think of a way that that can play out just because the image is so horrifically sad. I've seen theories that Charles will call Yolda in as his support. Um, but this raises the John question again of, like, can you, like, they have to, surely they have to consent to being his support, right? Like, Yeah, well, the argument would be that, um, I mean, not really. Like, I doubt I doubt Reed's bringing in people who are consenting. Mm, that, interesting. Um, it, it's probably whether you have the ability to force them in, and and the theories I've seen relate to like Charles having claim over the Hungry Choir um, uh, as its creator. Yeah, mm. which might let him overpower the wards Bree has on her. I don't know. We'll, yeah, mm. we'll see. But like that, that could be fun. Like you're right. The idea that if he has Yolder on his team, uh, John's not going to have a good time. Yeah, grim. Oh, I hate that. I hate. I hate that. My thing that I said as a joke. I feel like now there's a possibility it will happen and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the anyway. finale to this chapter is pretty grim. Uh, Musa delivers a little bit of exposition, effectively revealing that he has condemned the town. Uh, regardless of what happens here tonight, people are going to come in to clean house, binding others. Uh, it's not mentioned what will happen to the Kenneteers, but it doesn't sound good. Um yeah, I, I think realistically yeah. that would depend on how much they, like, quote-unquote, resist. resist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, gross. Um, so, yeah. Um, I love that one of the things uh, Musa says when he sort of first, arrive, first arrives is, like, when Lucy first says, oh, you came in here and, you know, didn't respect our boundaries. Mm. And he's like, you can only have what you can keep. Mm. And I was like, fuck, if, like, the Musas had house words... <laughs> That'd be fucking them. Yeah. Um, like, he, he's even still wearing his broken glasses, mm. which I assume has to be because, it, it, like, you know, if he stops using the familiars and implements, he loses some of the claim. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You just, think just so. like his whole vibe in this is like, like, I hate the moment where he's like, oh, Zed, you remind me of Ray. And I was like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Zed calls it out as like, you know you're the you're reason the one he's who, like that now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, well, and, yeah, because their muscles are like, oh, you know, he got ground down by the world, not me. That's just how the world is. You got to go in, like, eyes wide open. And I was like, oh, like, fuck that attitude so hard. Yeah, Musa's philosophy and perspective. I mean, like, we've obviously seen him as a villain for a while, but I don't feel like we've ever had a chance until now for him to explain, in air quotes, his side of the story. And hearing that is so... It's so validating of him as just a horrific monster. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of exactly what you'd expect, which is yeah, just he, yeah. Uh, yeah, like he he's just he's like that's how the world is, and you can't fight it, so you just do your best in it, and that's yeah. why I do horrible things because it's a horrible world, and it's just like yeah, like yeah. Uh, fuck fuck somebody who like that's their takeaway, and not oh can we make yeah, it better? It, it's a horrible world, so I'm fine to stoop down to that level. It's effectively yeah, it, yeah. and it's it's shit. 
Um, but but going back to the town being condemned effectively. Uh, yeah. Uh, the thought that this it's like depressing, right? But the thought that it leaves me with is, you know, I I think just because of narrative conventions or whatever, we've got this idea of the Carmine contest is like this is going to be the thing that decides if Canada's saved or not. But what this really demonstrates is I don't think there's a way that tonight can resolve with Musa. I mean, Musa explicitly says there's no way for tonight to resolve where people aren't going to come in and clean house, right? Well, I guess he gets yeah. Raquel to say it, so maybe he is hedging his bets a bit. But um, <laughs> it is it is kind of indicative of it, what it makes me think is Kennet ideologically is too disruptive and dangerous to ever be safe. You know what I mean? Like Kennet is always going to need to be actively defended as from an ideological standpoint because it is a concept that is disruptive to the status quo of practitionering right so there's no this isn't the fight this is the first fight to protect canon and that's just kind of a very depressing thought isn't it <laughs> um yeah and i mean this is something we used to talk about a lot in the story and we kind of forgot in just the absolute shit show yeah. that canon has become yeah um like, remember, we used to say this, like, remember when Nicolette first came to town yeah. in, like, Arc 2, and they sort of shoot her away, and we used to sit here and be like, yeah, but they don't really expect that it's over now, do they? Yeah, then it was Alex, then Zed, and, and the Kennedys have done remarkably well at dealing with each of these things, but they just keep happening, and they keep getting worse, right? Like, well, Yeah, well, well this, this is the problem we used to bring up back when we were talking about Nicolette and Arc 2, is, like, the, the, whenever they win... That just sort of indirectly draws more attention. Yeah. Um, Inherently, Mrs. Plan is for people to to pay attention to Kenneth, right? Like yeah. that that's a requirement. And that means it's going to be contested. It's not secure enough to resist the entire world, you know? Um, yeah. And, and like I, I guess the the thought here that is definitely something that has not occurred in my mind since I can remember, um, I think we used to speculate about it in Arc 2 when we had no idea what we were talking about, but um, like basically just the idea that, yeah, like Miss and, and you know, these days Rook like, must have known this was going to happen. Like right from when mm. yeah, Nicolette was prowling around and, yeah, then like when John came back and everyone was like, oh, the Alexander thing, you know, we'll just, that, that will never come back to bite us in the ass. Um, like Miss and Rook are smart enough to have known that from the day they awoke the Ken of Tears, this was coming. And, and mm-hmm. Lucy has that thought here. And so it's just, um, yeah, we're sort of back on uh, what what is Mrs. Plan with Kennet here? Um, and the Alabaster starts to see to that there are definitely two distinct teams fighting for fates for Kennet uh, within the within the Kennet others, presumably one being Mariska and Charles and the other one being Miss and Rook. <laughs> you um, would hope so. What, what else yeah. could it be? God, I, I dread to think. Oh, surprise toad swallow market. Um, mm. bro, he cut a deal with breast biter. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just interesting that like, yeah, this is just an idea that we lost track of, uh, at least on this podcast in just the last few months. And now, yeah, looking at it, it's just like, Miss and Rook had to know this was coming. They must have some plan for how either Kennetson can survive or like, is Mrs. Plan literally just to ditch Kennet, but now she's got her like kick-ass finder practitioner and, Mm. And you know she and Avery can move to Thunder Bay and uh, mm. continue their their grift on all the other finders. Yeah, God, I don't know. I mean, like 
the thing that it makes me think is is Toadie's plan, the market, is the only plan that feels like it has a viable chance at becoming self-sustaining, right? Because it gives a purpose for Kennet to be left alone because it's useful as a market as well as ideologically as a example, right? Um, yeah, but, but it doesn't so seem like, like Miss and Rook have that have that that step to the plan. Well, and it's not something he could possibly get up. Like it, it's like a thing that you know is going to take decades to build. Yes, like, true. It, it, even in his ideal scenario, I don't think it's an overnight success. So like, no. he needs somewhere that's not going to get fucking you know cleaned up by Musser's mates in the next like twenty years. Um, so like, his plan doesn't really seem re- relevant to these sort of final. Act. I feel like we sort of wrapped his stuff up a couple of chapters ago in that regard. And yeah, like I'm just sort of. So now I'm looking at Miss and Rook, and I'm like, okay, what what is your plan that's going to combat Marisicas? Yeah, I mean, like the worrying thought is Marisica. I think we've talked about this a few times. Feels like Marisica is going to have an ideological appeal to the Kenneteers, to the Kennet others, to to some group of why they should support her. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Marisica thinks she has a solution to this problem yeah and i i still think that probably will be how the confrontation happens like i think this is a theory we've had for a while now yeah it's like um uh the all the Kennedy others are going to gather around and i think mariska and charles are going to get to make their case i think we'll have a fun vote um i'm interested to see yeah what miss and rook put up as their alternative that is hopefully less gruesome mm. uh yeah i mean wait because the other interesting side to, to all this muster stuff is um something we haven't really talked about on on this podcast because i was never really sure how much we should sort of go into it but like if you really think back to when this was going to be like just a handful of arcs this story like i mm. think initially you know it used to get talked about being you know, six ish arcs or whatever you, you can totally see how Musser's role in this chapter and the next one is really what alexander would have been doing in that shorter version of the story mm. Um, like Alexander would be the one who had found her way to barge in here and was doing shit and was calling in, uh, well, Musser basically to do the cleanup. Um, and I, I guess the reason I'm sort of, I have sort of decided to bring that up is just because I think now that connection has led me to think that I am starting to accept the theory that they won't defeat Musser. Mm. Um, it, like I think the, the Musser family will not be, uh disassembled in this story i i think that might have to be a victory that is not within the scope of getting kennett out of this mess and i hate but that but then but is there a way that kennett gets out of this mess i mean if there is i think destabilizing a big family like the mosses is not the way to do it like that's continuing mm. to escalate and draw more attention like if yeah i don't know mm. Um, I just I, like the vibe I got from Master in these two chapters. It, it, it was just like I just don't think we're going to defeat him as an institution within this story. I hope I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I, I get what you mean. Like you're right. It feels like it will continue the cycle of escalation that that can't. I mean, unless Wabo secretly is going to write another six or seven arcs this story, like it just <laughs> you feel like it just can't happen, right? Like how will it? How would that happen? Yeah. I, I mean, the the escalation will be very dependent on how all of this Carmine stuff goes. Because as Lucy says, like if they get a Carmine who's on their side, that tilts the balance in their favor a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just worth pointing out like some other connections that we maybe haven't 
mentioned on this podcast as much just because they were so long ago now, uh, but they probably would have come up in the shorter version of the story. Stuff like how this Carmine tournament symbolically like relates to the Hungry Choir's ritual uh, mm. in a lot of fun ways, uh, especially the way that all the contestants would sort of work together in that one. Um, mm. and, and, you know, just the fact that the, the Carmine Beast itself designed the Hungry Choir is like a fun little additional piece on that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, anything else on on this chapter before we get into the next one? No, uh, everything is fine. Yep. So yeah, we leave Lucy in a pretty good place, uh, <laughs> and we get into break three. We're in the Doe's head, uh, the Alabaster um, Doe. Sorry, I, yeah, I guess we should mention that this was the part that we've talked about uh, earlier, but we should just reiterate: like Lucy is now questioning yes. whether she should just kill Moral, effectively. Get yep. Um, yeah, and I love I love that her part of her doesn't want to ask the others because she thinks Verona will say yes too easily, mm. um, which is a very tragic and understandable uh, interpretation. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. As you said, we leave Lucy in a great place. <laughs> yeah. So break three: the Alabaster Doe is considering how she has survived over time, paradoxically. Uh, as John starts to fight on Varg. Yeah, and I, I guess we'll discuss her, uh, I guess I'll frame it as bullshit um, and, and all her <laughs> stuff about paradoxes you, later on. taking an anti-Doe stance in this one, Elliot? I don't. I'll go pro-Doe. Uh, I can go pro-Doe. <laughs> okay, you go pro-Doe. I'll go pro-Doe, go... you go condo. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, like obviously, you know, I like the Alabaster Doe a lot more than like Massa. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, but I or think even she's... more than the other judges. I I, I like the jo- the the Joe the Doe more than the other judges. Um, I like, mean, the... are we gonna ha- mm. oh, let's hash this out, or should we save yeah. it for a little bit later? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll save it for later because that's all where right, my notes right. are. Um, but yeah. like, I I think you're setting a very low bar. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. The <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess you're right. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, we see the con- we're seeing the contest. I, I love this. I, I like that we're going to see more break. I mean, I'm assuming we're going to see more breaks, seeing more kind of contest moments. I'm excited for uh, the 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 uh, what's her name? Something Sen Snyder. Um, uh, Lauren. Lauren Snyder. I'm excited to see Reed have to fight her, and Reed tries to almost be nice, and then Snyder just fucking murders him. <laughs> that's gonna be very fun when we see that. Seeing Breastbutter get shot in the head by John, that'll be a fun time. Um, no, uh, yeah, I'm just keen for all of these. I mean, like, I know this is a reference you're probably not gonna get, but my back when I used to uh, read slash watch the manga slash anime Naruto, there was one moment. It, it it's so. I feel like it's very low quality. I mean, it has its moments, but the the one bit that I really loved is this bit where all the characters that you've met over the past, like, I don't know, you know, nine arcs or whatever, have one big contest uh, to, uh, it's like a, it's like a big contest between all the characters to see who's the strongest. And you just get to see all the, all the characters fight and pull out all their tricks. And it's just really fun. And so I'm really eager to see, uh, this one has much higher stakes than that one, but I'm just really eager to see it. You know, um, Lucy even sets up a Gara esque automatic defense shield with the engine head guy. I know none of this makes sense to you, Elliot. Mm, but mm. It's fun. It's I thought fun the same. Stuff. I thought the same thing. Mm, yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Same page. It, yeah. Lucy's smoke is just like Gara's soul sand or whatever the fuck it is. Um, that's, yeah, there's a, a guy called Gara. We're going to get into Naruto for a second here. He's like <laughs> from a sand. So, do you know anything about Naruto, Elliot? 
Um, <laughs> they like dress all... in orange. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, so I I have not paid any attention to it for maybe ten years or more. That maybe I don't know if that's right or not. But um, there's a guy called Gara, and he's got magic sand that automatically protects him from anything. And I think it's because it, it's like got his mother's soul in it am i making that up somebody tell me if i'm making that up but i'm pretty sure there's a guy called gara and he's got magic sand that protects him effectively like harry potter with his mother's love and it's it's awesome there's a guy called rock lee and he takes off his ankle weights and then suddenly he's really fast and he's like (laughs) anyway (laughs) and he can't even do regular magic ninjutsus like the rest of the ninjas elliot oh my god such a good moment anyway so yeah this that's like what this is this is like the um <laughs> junin contest or whatever it's called and it's fucking awesome i love it seeing characters just go out and fight each other i mean like it's it's what uh the who would win subreddit is built on the back of right it's just fun yeah. to think to see characters fight <laughs> i feel like it's so base and primal but it's just fun um yeah i mean what's great about it in this one though is like it's the it, it's half the show it's arguably the sideshow like these are the breaks yeah, yeah. Right. And we've also got the other big fight happening with arguably just as big stakes because of <laughs> yes. how they interact. Yes. Um like and that's what's great about to this. Bleed into each other as well, right? Yeah. We're cutting in in between th- this yeah, this big tournament and all the other stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah, it's great stuff. Um so yeah, the the dough kind of runs us through uh, the first of Onvarg's three tricks, which is a fun um beat the doe thinks mm. onvarg has three tricks and we only really find out the first one until the fight is over and that's delightful um yeah but uh you know john's fighting killing a lot of these wolves and onvarg starts eating their fallen wolf comrades in order to take their glamour uh on the sidelines we got the uh, peanut gallery breast spider faceful <laughs> plath and all the others um and breast spider and faceful make a make a fun bet gambling on uh, who's gonna win chonk chonk Chunk, yeah, chunk. You're a chunk man, aren't you? Yeah. Um, you're a breast man, Elliot, I think we can say. <laughs> um, I'm trying to refute that. Like, but in the context of this conversation, I suppose yeah. that's accurate. No, it's accurate. It's um, accurate. Yeah. No, yeah, I'll be, I'll be the leader of his cheer squad. I got some cheers ready. Give us your best breast. Give us your bre- best breast cheer. <laughs> um. He's our man. He's our fighter. No, no, he's our man, our best fighter, hands together oh, for breast biter. That's so good. I love it. Oiled up in he slips to get his lips around your nips. Yeah, breast <laughs> Are biter. Telling these, Elliot, they're wonderful. No, I thought of them the other day. Oh, good shit. I'm not that good. good. I'm not that good at freestyling, God. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Hey, again, bit of a tangent here. I feel like as this episode goes longer and longer, my propensity to go on random tangents is getting higher and higher. But um, the the Marble Olympics just released a video that's just the chants. It's like oh, really? 20 minutes long video of just the crowd chants for each of the teams. And I just oh, love that got, vibe. Um, not the O'Rangers one, though. Well, that's that's got to be in there. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I only listened one. to the Green Ducks one. It's just, oh, wait, wait. Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Anyway, so yeah, Wabo, you know what to do for your next bonus material. Just put out a 10-minute YouTube video of all the chants that people are going to do for the different <laughs> Garmin combatants. Um, yeah. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of what you do for, like, faceful. Just cry, I guess. Um, 
it, like actually speaking of in, in this sort of section uh with with the chonk and faceful uh mm. like as you mentioned uh they start speed running friendship here um and i I love that Wildbo is almost having fun at the reader's expense in this segment. <laughs> like when Breastbiter starts being like, who are you? Where did you come from? What are you doing? And like Faceful's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Good questions. I don't know anything about myself. And I was like, oh, fucking Why hell. Why are you like- here? And like Faceful <laughs> didn't know that this is a fight to the death or anything. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's so wild. Um, and like obviously we get the reveal of this chapter, which is why it's like, just purely funny that Wildbo's like he knows he set up an other that like everyone is looking at and going what are you what is this yeah and it's it's the first time in like half the story that we've had an other who has that effect on us mm. and I just love that like he spends the first half of the chapter just fucking with us being like having other characters question him and faithful just having nothing to give us mm. yeah <laughs> yeah um to to cut back to the Onvarg John fight, uh, Onvarg does pretty good. I mean, like this poor this poor pup that Mariska has has influenced uh, is destined to lose. So <laughs> you know they're they're, they're not going to take it home. But uh, the fact that Onvarg, who is set up to expects to and is destined to lose, and yet is this strong and really kind of does some pretty good shenanigans. I, I don't know, like it's. Uh, yeah, not uh, reassuring for John and his uh, hit squad. Yeah, I, I think we all knew that Onvarg was a Marisica like plant yeah. who wasn't going to win. Not going to um, win. Yeah. But I think I let that in my head mean that he wouldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, you know, he puts in a good show here. Yeah. Not just that, uh, there are a few strategic things set up that Onvarg does, which are going to somehow help Marisica slash Charles. Take it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's the thing. I like. I knew if he was a Marissa plant, I knew that there'd be some way that, he, you know, he, he helps her. But, like, I guess I expected him to just die in the process very quickly and cleanly, mm. um, which was silly in retrospect. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to remember, I, I it, we closed the um, the Carmine Throden survey uh, a few hours ago. Um, I, I don't have any stats to bring because um, – Nothing significant changed. We got like an extra 50 responses, but they pretty much kept things level. Mm. Um, but it is worth noting Onvarg was still the only person to get zero votes. And apparently oh. that was even in story. Um, Poor Onvarg. So uh, yeah, everyone knew he was a fall, fall guy and uh, yeah. he he did it. But he, yeah, I I, I think, can, can we actually, I know it's not in the notes, but can we quickly talk about what he did? Because I'm not 100% sure I understand it. Well, yeah. Onvarg is set up as a fall guy, and so appropriately he kind of gate crashes by taking down some of the arena surrounding uh, surrounding them, right? So actually there are two things that Onvarg does that the Doe reveals to us. One, Onvarg sets up a bird to do something. We don't know what. <laughs> And t- two, the other impression I got is that Onvarg's uh, deer, the the deer of Dark Summer, like damages the arena in a way that I don't. Again, I don't exactly know what it's done, but it seems like it will potentially allow somebody from outside to see in or inside to see out at, at a pivotal yep. moment. That's the vibe but, I got. So this is the thing that I, I think I I I, I want to check if my read makes sense. Um, the the way the alabaster doe phrased it, what I think is going on is. So that crack was only really possible because the arena was weakened by John allowing other people in. Mm. 
Um, which is just interesting to note because that definitely means that Mariska knew this was coming. Yeah, um, I mean, the fact that that Onvarg is here, who is explicitly the leader of a pack of wolves, already kind of right. suggests to me that True. Mariska knew John was going to bring in um, help. But so, so my understanding is that the reason this hole has been opened is because the fact that Onvarg is dead will leak out of it, and that will basically implant the idea in the Kennedy's heads, oh, Onvarg has lost to John which means they won't be thinking about the other bird that Marissica has kept because they're going to be thinking of the ephemeral beasts as gone. Mm. Like, just from the way the Albastido phrase, it's like, so basically the whole point, like this is such fairy bullshit, the whole point of all of Onvarg's crew dying in there was to let a little hole out so that you think they're all dead so the one bird that isn't can do whatever the fuck Marissica is going to do with it, um, which is just like... I, I love the like that the misdirect angle to to all that. Yeah, which is what though, like something to do with Edith, something to do with Ken, something to do with the furs. God fucking oh, knows. knows. Yeah, I mean it's a bird. She's used those for message transportation before. Who mm. would she be sending a message to? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, like I suppose the other thing to sort of keep in mind with all that as well, like uh, Onvarg actually had pretty noble motives like obviously they had these children from the yes. ephemeral beasts who uh can pass for humans and basically they knew that they were always doomed to some extent so they basically cut this deal to get the offspring who have a better chance at a good life out um if like, you know, there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of parallels to <laughs> like john and, and stuff there yeah um with the self-sacrificing angle um yeah i mean i question Leaving it in the hands of Marissica to decide which humans raise them, um, you know, I'm sure she'll pick very stable, boring people to raise them. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, sure. Not at all put them in, in the shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't help but be like, oh, I'm glad that it was more than just like she owned them because they were fairy offspring and mm. could make them do it. But they actually had like cool motivation. sympathetic motivation, yeah. Yeah. Which makes you think. What is the handsome doctor's motivation? Maybe he actually just is in love with Jazz. <laughs> hmm. uh, yeah, I'm sure. He doesn't seem like a selfish up up himself dude. I'm sure he's just selflessly motivated like that. Yeah. Handsome guy, soon to become handsome dad. Hey, Lucy. <laughs> uh, she's had worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> hmm, maybe. I don't know. Paul uh, anyway. versus handsome man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, now see. that's the fight we want to see. <laughs> that's the Carmine showdown we want. Sign them both up. Um, uh, yeah. I, also, uh, in this moment, it's worth pointing out, Pressed Bider uh, compliments the Dark Summer uh, aesthetic, which I'm just filing as another entry in the column of why this dude rules, because he's a goblin that is big and mature enough to admit that some parts of the fairy are cool. Mm, mm, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, to good, Toad Swallows the... the Toad's always the closest we've seen to that from anyone else. Mm. Yeah, definitely a good catch. Um, so, yeah, we talked about the Deer of Dark Summer that that enters. Uh, this is like Onvarg's second trick. Uh, shadowy wolves, other animals, it all kind of gets unleashed. Um, <laughs> but John and Co. do a pretty good job. Uh, you know, like, John, not just as a fighter slash marksman, but like as a leader he's pulling some tricky shenanigans to take this wolf down right like he's got a lot of fake outs he's got like you go over there and then you do a bomb blah 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 like it all kind of he really gels with his squad incredibly well yeah 
they know each other. They know their their strengths and weaknesses. Like he he plays Fubar's weakness as a trick. Like, um, yeah, you're right. Like, because I think that's the thing. They don't like they they don't beat these fairy related things by going gobliny. He just straight up like out tricks them, mm. um, which is a bit of a tall order and not the best way to fight something that's like fairy born. I wouldn't think. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I still. <laughs> I'm worried by the amount of difficulty it took him and his squad to beat Onvarg. Like, uh, I don't, it, it, you know, unless something goes completely sideways, like the Guillermet theory or whatever, John is not winning this seat. Well, let's talk about that, right? Because, like, everyone thinks John is going to lose, including us. <laughs> but <laughs> the the thing to remember is the judges picked him, you know, presumably with the thought that he will win, right? Like, and are supporting him to win. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, Marcy is uh, clever, but is she really? These are like these are three judges. Like, this is legit, you know? And no, because their support and this this is starting to touch on how I'm gonna like go against a lot of the Alabaster's vibe later. Mm. Um, their support doesn't actually tangibly mean that much because they're having to play fair. Mm. um quote unquote like you know they're helping him obviously like in a lot of ways like the the way this arena is set up and everything but like they won't put in too much effort to like overtly help him um and like the alabaster doe expresses serious doubt in in him winning like when she's decomposing on varg um she she specifically sort of mentions that the arena may not get put back together if john doesn't win and she Refuses to dismiss that as unlikely in her own head, mm. um, which it introduces this weird thing where she doesn't even let herself lie to herself because that strengthens her relationship with the seal, which is like a bit crazy. Mm. Um, like you can't even think sarcastic thoughts <laughs> in, in her position. Apparently, <laughs> <What a world. laughs> um, like oh god, I'd, I'd die. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think I think there's so there's a mixture here of like it seems to me like the judges actually think there is a credible chance that John won't win, um, but, and I think mm. I, I think their help doesn't actually get you that far. I think the help that John has gotten so far is always realistically going to get. I, I, I don't think that they. I'm not talking about the fact that they're helping here in the fact that that like the three judges are uh, going to be important. It's the fact that they've picked John at all, like. If yeah, uh, the judges as three obviously quite powerful beings, right? They decided to pick John as their incumbent, right? And like, if it's really as hopeless as everybody seems to think, I just think that would be pointless. Like, why would they do that? Well, I think that they picked someone that they liked and that they want in, and they skewed things a bit in his favor, but um. Uh, like that's sort of as far as they can or are willing to go mm. like i'm I'm trying to think of a good analogy and i'm coming up a bit blank but it's like you know they they can't just give it to him and they can't rig it so much that he's guaranteed to win otherwise that's like shifty as hell so there's like it's more like they've got the person they want um but they also have but, to set it up so that he can lose and like it's not so much that they think he's the most powerful. They're like, he's the best balance of what they want and has the power to probably win. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that they think he can win. Everybody else seems to think he can lose, but the three judges who are powerful, who know this contest and seemingly have information that we as, as mere mortals don't, 
they think he can win. And that to me is the most reassuring thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I think that is without like taking into account stuff like Marusica. I don't know. Like, I feel like the judges have such a good grasp of what goes on in their domain, right? Like, you know, yeah. the, the doe sees what Onvarg's tricks are going to be before they even happen, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think Marusica could surprise them for sure, but I don't think they're unaware of what she's going to do. Sure, I guess I I didn't think the judges seemed super confident that he's going to win. Alabast mm. has a lot of moments where she's like specifically planning for when he doesn't win. Mm. Um, yeah, like, not not that he will win, just they think he can, you know. And everyone else yeah. seems to think he can't. So, John, I'm in your corner. You can do this, buddy. <laughs> no, uh, no, because Breastbiter needs to win. <laughs> Right, yes, sorry, of course. The actual reveal <laughs> is that the judges were secretly backing Breastbiter and John was just a patsy. Um but to 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 touch on like some of the limits of the um the the judges and their stuff as we start to get into more about the Alabaster soon, like it, it's interesting to note one of the things she does here to increase his chance of winning is like set up longer gaps between fights mm. so that he and his squad can use their like sick healing powers. Mm. Um, and that's really cool, but like even John expresses uh, a, a number of times throughout this chapter that he's not super thrilled about that because he needs to win this quickly for Marisica and Charles to not be able to do their shit. <laughs> I mean, that feels impossible to me. I feel like there's a 0% chance that John is going to win this before Marcy and Charles show up. I, I mean, you know, but like... <laughs> so take the rest time, John, <laughs> might as well. I mean, I, I guess it, it's all about that closing doors stuff, right? Like, um, Sure. Like, I don't know, and like... There's a number of times where John says that he's getting sort of more than he reckons he needs, which I guess it's him, so that might not be true. But mm. um, I, I guess like I just read this as a great sort of metaphor for like uh, the Alabaster's whole thing, which is like she sacrifices the war to win the battle. Mm. Um, like this idea here that like she wants to give John the longer rest periods because it serves him better sort of in the other fights, but in doing so gives Marissa and Charles way more opportunity at the end of the day to actually gatecrash this. And it's like that's the thing that they need to be stopping. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, John maneuvers his squad, does well, kills Onvarg, but you know Onvarg has served his purpose, and the doe kind of reflects on her duty. Yeah, and I'm so excited to see what the hell this single bird is going to do that will change everything. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to see, I suppose. Um, but should we crack open the concept of fairness that the Doe explores here? I, yeah. I, I think it's interesting that we're going to be on different sides of this because I, to me, my impression from this was the fairness that the Doe espouses seems to align pretty well with the fairness that we as the audience or the Kenneteers, you know, have in mind. Like, I think it's true to say that the, whoever holds the position of judge, whoever is the alabaster, would have to adhere to what they could defend as the concept of fairness. And using Musser as an example, you know, Musser's concept of fairness is it's fair for you to keep what you can keep, right? Which is very yeah. different to what we would call fair, what the Kennedys would call fair. Whereas if we have to ascribe some some standard of fairness, the one that the Doe seems to be ascribing of a challenge that you might overcome, setting a challenge that is achievable but will push you. Like, I don't know. 
feels feels like it's a uh, not perfect but pretty good yeah like okay so to, to start off with i do want to say i i don't i think the alabaster's doing a pretty good job in a shitty role mm. um uh but i think like a lot of the traps she's falling into are traps that are like because she is not willing to push back on the system which is why she's still here as well mm. like she talks about how all the other alabasters get got and it's because I think they probably spend more on actually give, dole, like doling out mercy than she does. Mm. Um, but I, I'd push back on uh, the concept of her fairness actually being super good. I mean, obviously, it's better than Masters. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I feel like she's falling into uh, like a lot of the traps we've talked about relating to karma and just like the the concept of these roles. Like, like when we saw her in the Carmine's head, it was she's falling into some of the same traps or, or coming up against them which is like the way the alabaster gives out like the choices and doesn't force the results it is good in some ways but there's not really an informed aspect to the choices she gives people and i feel like that's mm. where they fall flat for me is she like lays down barriers or whatever to stop some of these worst things from happening but like a lot of what she was doing reminded me of um uh, like Alpiana in that way that it's like, mm. you know, you give people this challenge, but you don't really actually, uh, like I'm thinking of the guy who was in the ruins or whatever. And she was like, Oh, I'll put a challenge in, in front of him and make him like, think about what he's doing. Um, but like, he's not really going to know, like he, he, you know, he can still just be shitty and she's not really actually going to do anything about it. She just makes sure that he's really dead set on being a shitty person. Mm. um like you know like so so i guess my big example of of why i think she's kind of a a hypocritical idiot a lot of the time is like faceful is obviously in this chapter and we'll get to him a lot soon but like he is in more ways than one literally the face of innocence in this chapter like Mm. he's come in here he has no idea what's going on he was just following the instincts that the judges presumably helped give him Mm. and then they make him abide by the rules of this fight and die here because he made an agreement that he like he didn't know what he was agreeing to like there was no genuine consent in him agreeing to this fight like I don't he made know. that abundantly clear i i think we will get more into the concept of sentience and stuff yes he didn't know what he was agreeing to for sure but every as he was informed he still seemed to be keen on it you know what i mean like no he they had to pressure him to abide by the rules he'd done and join that fight with Breastbiter. He wasn't mm. super keen. And he didn't, he clearly didn't know. Like, he definitely he got, didn't know that it was a fight to the death and, and a few of the details of this, for sure. Oh, no. And it, like, even in the fight, he starts getting hurt and he's like, oh my God, this actually hurts. Like, he didn't really know what pain was. Like, yeah, true. That is pretty I, horrific. Isn't I, it? I'm just saying, if the Alabaster is somebody who's like, like, uh, what I hate is just the way the Alabaster was like, oh, the world might be forgetting what mercy is. Like, I think she says that like two or three times in the chapter. Yeah. And then she fucking sits there as this face who has no idea what's going on is like pretty much this perfect picture of innocence in so many ways comes in and she just lets him sign up for a fight to the death and get killed easily in round one. Mm. And I'm just like, you fucking hypocrite. Like, you know, if this is what your idea of mercy is, it's just like having let this happen. Then like, fuck it. Then you failed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, And this is where like this idea of mercy comes up against fairness. And this is that paradox she talks about. And like, I admit it's, it's, I don't know if it's a line I'd be able to walk much better myself, but um, mm. 
yeah like like you know because that you know she has these rules like she has to let anybody who wants to compete compete which is why she didn't really stop him i suppose like like she has a reason but um i don't know at the same time it's kind of i feel like you're failing in your duty as the representation of mercy and innocence if you're letting this happen (laughs) if you don't inform him of what he's signing up for yeah like like that yeah exactly you're right that's the thing she didn't she didn't tell him like there's a way she, she it's not stopping him to fucking inform him of what he's consenting to before he says yes like mm. um yeah and yeah I, like i guess her her lack of willingness like, i guess i can i can sort of accept that it's the role she's in and she's not meant to do x y or z or whatever but i guess the fact that she's now the sort of person who won't push back against that and is happily sitting as this long-lasting alabaster because she won't rock the boat in that way just kind of makes me lose a chunk of respect for her yeah i think that's fair enough i, I it's interesting to me talking about mercy makes me think of concepts of of justice and like punitive versus rehabilitative justice like sure the idea of um maybe the default for for a society being punitive justice and the mercy component leading to rehabilitative justice but i feel like the doe has this mindset of like being able to see if the mercy will lead to rehabilitation or not i guess uh, I mean, me what's interesting like, is mm. I, I don't think we actually see her express anything about that, though. Like, she never, mm. like, as you said, she never, like, forces people to get better. Like, you know, this guy in the ruins or whatever who's looking for the echo yeah. to steal their money. True. Like, he he doesn't, she doesn't, it, she, she doesn't, like, force him to get better. She just puts the thing in front of him that will, like, hopefully make him question it. But it's well, like. Well, yeah, it will give him a question, effectively. Yeah. And, it, like, part of me is, like, I suppose it's good because I, I don't. As a general, like I don't want to, you know, get too authoritarian and like force him, like to edit change his or whatever. Brain. <laughs> yeah, totally. like he hasn't actually committed a crime or anything yet. But like, then on the other hand, it's just like what you do if you only offer choices and shit like that is you basically make sure that the people who are dead set on being dickheads continue to thrive in the same way. Like, but do if you, it's di- without wanting to ascribe without wanting to edit the ruins practitioner's brain for example like the the mercy that the doe is offering is cho- chances to make positive growth yeah. choices but you can't have that without that chance also being to make the negative choice right like i don't no, know No, that's true yeah yeah exactly this is why i find myself like i i hate some parts of her like the, the faceful example feels like where she's dropped the ball but mm. yeah like Stuff like the ruins practitioner. I keep going back to that example because I don't like what she did, but I can't think of anything better. Yeah, it is very much putting a question and an opportunity for self-reflection into the path of this practitioner, right? And yes, that means that sometimes people will just continue to make the wrong choice and be real shitheels. But like, unless you want to dive in and you know crooked rook his brain or whatever, like. Sometimes yeah. there are going to be people who keep making choices to hurt others. I, don't I guess know. it's the the invisibility of it that maybe irks me. In mm. that, like, like, it, it, like this this is what brings me back to the Alpiana comparison. Is like, yeah, what if he just misses the point? You know, like, mm. what if he doesn't get the like? What if he doesn't take away the lesson? Happening. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. I, maybe maybe I'm underestimating the alabaster. Like, if she set this in motion, chances are it's probably almost certainly going to at least make him consider it and and commit um but yeah like i don't know like it it feels like somebody needs to go up to him and say hey like you know are you sure about what you're doing and yeah maybe that is what she did i don't know 
it just it feels so indirect and kind of flimsy to me the way it's like nobody nobody's it doesn't sound like anybody's directly going up to this guy and saying hey you realize what you're doing is really shit mm. Mm. yeah it's a fair point i don't know maybe yeah i don't maybe it uh, my i have a lot of thoughts about this i think we could talk about this forever like yeah maybe the doe do, being more active and overt would wouldn't work or maybe if the doe fails in their passive role, that implies that she's not a good doe. Like a good doe should be able to have the right questions and self-reflections occur to people by the actions that she takes. I don't know. True. It's a, it's a complex uh, yeah, one. I, just, I think the fact that she is so she has such longevity as the alabaster doe is just like a little bit <laughs> yes. of an indictment on an indictment, how active for she sure. is. I, I definitely um, get that. And, and uh, yeah, I think we talked about that. I think that was like one of the uh, predictions that we talked about last week that sort of seeded this idea. Um, but yeah, I guess the other example that's maybe a little bit more interesting to discuss as well is like, um, like so she knows Charles and Marissica will be like disastrous, mm. but she kind of she she can't do anything directly <laughs> well to stop them. Like she arguably, she's already things. pushed the line. Yeah, she she tells yeah. the penalties and and maybe pushes that John. line. I suppose. Yeah, and I suppose that that's something. But like, you know, it's like if it would cost her a little bit more to just maybe. Tell them where on the perimeter fucking Charles is <laughs> um, to really secure it for the kid of tears. Like, like unless that's going to completely forswear her and like send it out. I'm just like, that's going to cost you like 10 years of power or whatever. Isn't that worth it to stop, mm. to guarantee Charles doesn't take the seat? Like, mm. it, you know, this, this probably starts to touch in on like, she shouldn't be interfering with elections, so to speak. Um, a bit, a bit of a stretched metaphor but like mm. no yeah she, like putting yeah. her thumb on the scale she she's already she already does that in this chapter to a large extent yeah right? i don't know but you're right though presumably it's an expenditure of power and a loss of status that is the real threat if she takes more active steps which i don't know maybe it's worth it <laughs> yeah i just like i feel like you've got to know that charles is so disastrous a candidate that it's like I, uh, like you know like in terms of like like bring it to the political metaphors there's a certain point where a candidate is so terrible that i feel like you can just objectively say no like mm. that one's not okay mm. yeah fair enough and I, I feel like charles has got to be that as a judge i feel like charles is a bad enough candidate for a judge that you can kind of objectively <laughs> say he shouldn't have the right to compete yeah yeah Hey, uh, theory on where the bird's going. The judges are probably pretty distracted right now with the uh, with the contest, right? So maybe uh, maybe there's a chance to bust out Edith. Yeah, I, I wondered about Edith or like Blunt Munch could be another mm, fun one. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Edith uh, would be great. I, I am hoping we get to see some Edith in this finale. Yeah, been so long, eh? We haven't seen Edith and Matthew for ages. Oh, the poor buggers. Um so yeah, uh, we get the, a new entrant, Lauren Snyder, uh, who enters the battle. She is a fairly desperate practitioner. She and Reed bond over, I don't know, their their rough lives, I suppose, uh, as Breastbiter <laughs> Recently and Faceful. Lives. Yeah, true. Uh, Breastbiter and Faceful take the stage and, uh, you know, kick off their fight. Yeah, honestly, who cares about this nerdy meat cute shit? I'm all about the chomp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it can't be a meat cute because... We know how it's going to end, and it's with either Reed or Lauren murdering the other one. So, oh, um, somebody else could murder them. True, but I think the fact that they've spoken to each other now means that, yeah. by narrative law, they have to fight. 
Yeah, in fact, I, I I almost wonder if that's why Breastbiter struck up conversation with Faceful to mm. create a bond between them so that he could get an easy first round like that. Well, yeah, I mean, um, he sets up the bet, which yeah starts the fight tipped in his scales, which is uh, it, it's hard to say just how intentional that is. But looking back over the chapter, Breastbiter feels smart enough to have pulled that yeah. off. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I would like to see Reed versus Lauren because they're the two that I feel like... Um, with the exception of like Laplath, yeah. Um, I have like the least idea about what they're going to be able to bring to the table. Yeah, it'll be good to um, get a solid picture of them, eh? Yeah. Also, just yeah, because I, I feel like they did sort of start to connect here, so that's just another layer of hilarious tragedy to them having to fight. <laughs> yeah, which then means um, we've got Laplath fighting Cage Rattler next, I suppose. Uh, or not next, but yeah. that that looks like if we're going like they're pairing off. That feels like yep. it's the uh, the round robin we're seeing. I'm going yeah, to start drawing out my tournament bracket so we can see how yeah. it's going to go. It does seem to have turned into a knockout tournament, which is good because um, it means John. I, I was worried that I, I think John in the Carmine Beast one, all, yeah, yeah, in the Carmine Beast one, she had to go through everyone one by one, and that sounded not good for John. Yeah, a knockout tournament definitely structures things more in his favor. Yeah, so we've got John and Onvarg, Plath and Cage. Uh, uh, Snyder and uh, Reed and Bider and Face. Yeah. All right, so Face is out. We've got Bider going through. John, uh, John's killed on Varg, so he's going through to round two. So, okay, let's let's do this matchup then. So we got I'm, – I'm going to play out the whole thing here. Snyder v. Reed, who do you, who's your money on? Um, I, I, Reed. Well, interesting. Narratively or, or, you know, the pitch you're getting of them? Yes. Okay, both. Bit of both. Why not? All right. So Reed <laughs> makes it through. Then we have Kaplath uh, and uh, Cage Rattler. That's a hard ah, one because so we really don't understand either of them, do we? <laughs> no. We know that Cage Rattler is a boogeyman. And based on what we've heard of and briefly seen of that, um, it means he can fuck some shit up. But like. <sighs> yeah. Do we know I, what Kraxaplath is? No. Huh. Um, he, he's an ear that bleeds. That's yeah. Which, I mean, what, what, <laughs> what, what, how are they going to fight? I don't know. Um, All right. So are you backing yeah. cage there? Uh, no, cause I want to see more of Plath. Oh, so you're going to back Plath? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So then we have John Reed, Plath and Biter. Uh, I, I think we're going to see. John v. Biter for the reason of Biter seems like he is summoning more minions. And I feel like John with his army, you want to see yeah. his army of minions fight another army of minions, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Which yeah. makes me think it's going to be John v. Biter. Yeah, that tracks to me. It just, and they feel like the two have interacted the most with each other. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. So, John v. Biter, who, who have you got? You, you got your money on Biter? It's a tough call. I mean, I like Biter more as a person, but John feels stronger. Got to make a call. Got to make a call, mate. I mean, uh, why don't you make a call for once? I'm going to. I mean, I, I know that's what you've done bracket. here. You, <laughs> no, yeah, you set this whole thing up, so I'd have to be making I, I a mean, call. I mean, I would pick John here, right? Um, yeah, no, I think you're right because I think, I think, a raid John finale. I mean, this is assuming, I mean, I don't think we're going to make it this far before Charles shows up and fucks oh, you reckon? It up. Um, I think yeah. we're going to see, because there's eight contestants right now. 
June oh, you reckon just, it'll be during the final? Uh, either during or right after the final, you know, like John well, fights. It can't be, it can't be after. It, well, like, sure, it has like been, enters yeah. during but then fights the, yes, the yeah. winner. So, um, I mean, just like the dramatic timing of it feels like that's what it would have to be. Anyway. Yeah, um, it does feel it does feel like perfectly Mariska, like get in the easiest way in. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, sorry, Elliot, but let's say John takes out Biter. Then we've got yeah. Reed and Mergle Plath. Um, I mean, do we see Plath going the distance? <laughs> no, because no, I think narratively it's far more interesting to have Reed versus yeah, John as the I finale. Agree. So we have Reed versus John. Uh, unfortunately, Crux Lax the Plath has been knocked out. I'm assuming we see John take out Reed here, and that's going to be fun to watch Massa's reaction. And then during that fight, Marcy and Charles break in, and then we have the finale, John versus Charles. And who do you think is going to win? Make your call. Guillermet. Oh, yeah. Surprise, surprise entrance by Guillermet. Yeah, I think if Guillermet runs in just after Charles, uh, he'd probably yeah. have the ability to say, no, I fight Charles before Yeah, I'll, John. I'll fight Charles first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Guillaume this is v. where Charles. the theory. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the grand finale is John v. Ch- uh, v. Gill, which I like. Or Guillermet loses to Charles but weakens him enough that John, that John can, can finish him. take it off. I'm, how is Guillermet? I mean, let's be real. How is Guillermet going to lose to Charles and <laughs> Anyway, all right. So, I mean, I guess we can just stop here because we know how the story's going to go. We've mapped it all out. So, okay, yeah. well, now I'm going to assign. All packed up to next week. So, <laughs> Snyder v. Reed and Mogulplath versus Cage, that's break four. Uh, and then we have uh, Reed versus Craxalaxaplath and John versus Biter, that's break five, which means, you know, we've got two more breaks, two more main chapters. And then the John V. Charles with Guillermet as the surprise entrance is 13, 14. Fuck, it doesn't quite work. Or break six, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, all right. Almost almost works. It almost works. Yeah. There you go. Um. Now, we wait for a month, and if this is correct, it's going to be wonderful. I'm keeping – I've got this on a post-it note right here. I'm going to put it on my monitor. We'll check back in on it week week on week. I'm trying to – I'm actually Googling right now to see if there's websites where we can let people do like – because, you know, you can do this for sports, right? Like yeah. prediction brackets. Yeah, like, prediction brackets. That'd be fun. We um, can do it. I mean, we're assuming that it's Snyder v. Reed and, and, and Mogul Plath v. Cage. We don't oh, really we're making we're, we're making a whole lot of assumptions here, especially or, about when other people could yeah. show up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're assuming that Charles and Marcy and Guillermet are all showing up in the final fight between yeah. John and Reed, yeah. Like, there's no software that's going to cover all of the like of weird the extra yeah. shit I'm going to want people to be able to do for it to feel like yeah. a genuine prediction bracket. I mean, the software is just leave your comments in the discussion thread with yeah. how you think these yeah. brackets are going to go. Do you think we're on track? Do you think we're way off? Pop your comments in the discussion thread, I suppose. Yeah, just give us like your whole bracket as well. And obviously, it doesn't yeah. have to be like a full on bracket. Like, because there is freedom for like Breastbiter to fight someone twice in a row. Like, it's just yeah, give us your a- list of how all the fights will go. <laughs> We've including seen one surprise- set of fights and we're just extrapolating that out a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, I think the way it was phrased by, yeah, like y- y- it doesn't have to be a knockout tournament. That's sort of the sensible play is it, like for you to try and let it be. But, um, you know, yeah, someone like Breastbiter could theoretically just try and do like two in a row i think mm. and then yeah obviously you've got your smash bros style fucking you know extra contestants coming in <laughs> yeah and you challenge like, approaches yeah for sure um, um back, anyway, to, the back story. to the story 
been such a tangential episode, huh? Yeah. Um. So yes. Uh. So actually, we get we we we're at the point where Snyder, Lawrence Snyder, had just entered, and I want to kind of call out something because she goes to lean on the Carmine throne for support and then slips and almost cracks her head, which is a, f- a fun moment. But it stood out to me a bit that she went to lean on the throne, like. When John arrived, he went straight for the throne, and this was him like claiming the incumbent position. So I wonder if Lauren was like trying for something similar, but Carmine, sorry, Karma, or maybe one of the judges, or maybe the Carmine, kind of got in the way and made her slip instead as like a no, nice try kind of thing. I feel like I'm maybe reading into it a bit, but tell me what you think. I mean, uh, like I, I think you're probably not fully wrong. Like she's a practitioner, so it may have been in her mind, but also like she's super sick can barely stand and i'm pretty sure that throne is the only chair on the rink mm. so like it was between that or sitting on the ground that's covered in a layer of blood like <laughs> i think it was probably just the reasonable thing to go, to do to go and try and lean on the the one thing that's lean onable mm. yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah maybe, maybe that's a bit of both. enough um the other thing that Snyder mentions is that her dad hates Alexander. So I don't know, maybe we should adjust this to let uh, Lauren Snyder beat Reed because uh, I like the Snyders. <laughs> Sounds like the Snyders are a family we can agree with. I mean, yes, but also, I mean, there's still a lot of room to be shitty even if you hate Alexander, you know? Like, it's a good sign. It is a very um, good metric. For a it's a good start. Like, like that—that's the first. Like, that's one of the first signs of like, okay, we should explore this further. Like, um, but yeah, you know, I like that she used that in the present tense too. She's like, my dad hates Alexander. I was like, oh, do we have yeah, news for does, you? Does she, do the family <laughs> not know that Alex is dead? Not just dead, killed by the person who's yeah. maybe going to kill you, Snyder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just um. Yeah, like like the guy's right there. It's like, oh yeah, my my dad hates Alexander. It's like, well, could you uh, could you go easy on John over there then? Because that's uh, he he fixed that for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe she'll be so grateful that she will just uh, off herself. I don't fucking know. I mean, it uh, like I I have to assume that the reason she's here because it's so ridiculous. The like the the setup for her at the moment is she like she can't even stand. She's got like these these you know weird marks on her or something. Yeah. Like, she's got to be. Like doing a brie and housing something insane in her that she's probably because she says she's going to compete in a fashion. So I'm imagining some like either Hulkian or or whatever like transformation where she's just going to like turn bananas because mm. that like she can't just be a sickly mid tier practitioner. <laughs> like, yeah. Otherwise, like you just. You just euthanize yourself in a better way than coming to this competition. Yeah, I mean, I think she is here to make up the numbers so that we have eight uh, for the nice <laughs> tournament bracket. But yeah, I, I do think you're right that that's narratively why she's here. I don't know why she would choose to come to this. I guess. I, I, yeah, I'm guessing she's like a a version of Bree who is no longer able to hold whatever's inside of her, and she's basically going. I think she's going to open her battle by basically killing herself to let whatever is inside of her out, and Reed will have to fight that. <laughs> Yikes! What a what a play! What a play um, that would be. Yeah, especially because I imagine it will be not a lot of fun for Reed. Whatever is inside of her. Yeah, I mean, is anything fun for Reed these days? He's uh, not doing <laughs> so hot, is he? Hey, but he's making, uh, we didn't write any notes on this, but he's making those small amounts of progress to having a better view of the universe than the yeah, rest true, of his family. Like, true. He does, 
he does call out some of the alabaster's bullshit where she's like talking about this thing. He's like, I mean, you're dressing this up, but it's just a grisly fight to the death. And I was like, he's not wrong. <laughs> it's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, definitely still he's, a long road long to go for him. Uh, yeah. He needs a long road and he only has a short one left, I yeah. think, unfortunately. But, you know, knowing that some of his last steps were in the right direction is, to, uh, it, yeah, you know, reassuring. it's something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, Faceful gets all chompy and Breastbiter is jovial and jolly the entire time until uh, he re- rips Faceful in half. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just classic friend stuff. Yeah, I, I like this, though, because, like, Breastbiter has been hilarious, but here we get to see what he is actually like, and he is competent and terrifying. Like, he does some horrifying stuff here. He is clearly very smart as well as being very strong, and it's just, yeah. I don't know, it, it, it makes me excited for a... Uh, yeah, for the for the breast biter, breast fight, breast biter versus John fight that we've got coming up in break four. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, going to be yeah, break no, five I... fight, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, he, it, it, yeah, you're right. It is really good to see that. Uh, I think we've heard so much about big goblins and all that. It is really nice to sort of see one and see that. Yeah, he's yeah a bit smarter than than I might have expected, given the sort of persona he he expresses. And yeah, like he just seems really fucking powerful and uh, it, yeah, hypes it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also get to find out that Faceful is effectively a, a argument meme, an internet argument meme given life, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, it's, it, it is a really fun reveal. Like uh, this mystery was set up for us while Bo fucked with us at the start of the chapter and then we do get the sort of explanation. Um yeah, it, like in retrospect, it's the sort of other like I guess we've seen so many others who are born of like you know human patterns and all that. I guess we should have expected a meme to show up at some point. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that. Oh, maybe it'll still happen in a chapter coming up. You know, the Kentiers will be looking out. But who's that coming to compete? Coming? Who's who's that coming to compete for the Carmine throne? It's uh, Laurel or Yanni. <laughs> The Carmine Doge. <laughs> Much violence. Is that? <laughs> Very danger. That's Laurel wearing a blue black dress. No, I think it's Yanni and they're wearing a white gold dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That'd be so good. I mean, Very it's like, probably um, going to happen. <laughs> like lost, losty almost where it's like everyone yeah, views yeah. them slightly differently. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, I mean, that could be. That reminds me of one of uh, Musser's familiars, right? The one that John saw differently to Lucy. Maybe that's the origin. It's like a, a similar oh, yeah, kind yeah. of mimetic argument thing. Yeah, yeah. Good good idea. Sorry, mm. I, just, I just remembered he has a familiar that's three kids in a trench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. It's the uh, Vincent Adultman familiar, and I think that's wonderful. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, we also do uh, like again just to just to talk about my boy, my main candidate, Breastbiter here. Mm. Um, we learned some more of his backstory too. Uh, I was excited to be able to fully back him as a candidate again, learning that he's really trying to escape this mean goblin queen that everyone hates. Mm. Um, like he's doing a bit of a better way of escaping than Blunt did. Oh, actually, no, that's probably arguable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Even though he probably had to make some deal with her to to get this opportunity, I'm glad that he has decided that she's apparently too shitty a person, and uh, he would rather, you know, not be a part of that. Mm. 
Like, how bad must she be that the dude who fucking eats chunks of his best friend by pouring, uh, like, nipple meat on them? <laughs> uh, like, he's like, she's too, she's too fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's something that makes me like Breast Spider more and more, right? Like, yeah. the more we see of him, the more we like him, which I guess is uh, in, in keeping with what he says. We're learning yeah, his I'm backstory, and that means he's going to die. Well, no, because he, when he's in the sequel as the Carmine, like, it means we'll get to hang out with him even more. It's great. Yeah, that's going to be very fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, it, it is worth pointing out. Like, he has to have made some deal with Gerhild because, like, I'm assuming this – he pulls out, like, bloody hair that's not his, mm. and because she's been called the Red Cap Queen, I have mm. to assume that mm. means it's her hair. Um it also just spawns like fully adult goblins. Like I'm thinking, bl- like the way it's described, I was like blunt munch size at best. Mm. Oh, sorry, at worst. Like, yeah. which is like fucking Powerful crazy. Shit. Yeah. Like, like because it was like a big deal already to me when like blunt munch or that pregnant one that Liberty had could spawn yeah, like could spawn cherry bombs pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. So like the fact that this dude can just throw some of this lady's hair and it spawns blunt munchers who could presumably then go on to spawn little ones depending on what their deal is like that's yeah fuck yeah definitely seems pretty powerful hey um but yeah so uh the judges uh head outside to just check on that after a face has been ripped in half and just kind of ensure nobody is barred from entering the contest and give a little <laughs> bit of exposition to lucy and the gang yeah, and, and obviously, so we don't we don't actually really get to see it or the effects of it in this chapter, but we hear mm. that on the other side, the Sable and Verona did not succeed in stopping a whole truckload of witch hunters from just pouring into yep. the arena. That'll be a fun one um, to uh, see when we are in Verona's head next chapter, I think. <laughs> yeah, like as we already sort of touched on, I think it, how the witch hunters are handled inside the arena is going to be super interesting. I can't wait yep. to see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of alluded to this before, but like the witch hunters now are getting an idea of what's actually going on in Kennet and that it's bigger, bigger than them or, or, you know, more than they expected. Uh, like, I don't know. I, again, I, f- I still have no fucking clue what role the witch hunters are going to play in this finale, but <laughs> I just think it's, they're finding out like they're maybe getting a glimpse at the fact that they are potentially pawns in a wider scheme. Um, yeah. One the, the fun angle to that is the, the the group that are with Lucy and Avery are really the only ones that we know that are left. Like yeah, um, aside from maybe Cleo, who gives a fuck about her. Yeah, um, but it's like we it's don't all the, know about um, Eloise, right? Who who is the one that feels like the most oh, Elise? Elise I, I think sorry. it's been I think it's been confirmed that she's dead. Oh, okay. Um, because oh, so I, I like I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's like there's been a confirmed number of deaths, and then like mm. based on the witch hunters we've seen since, right? We can, uh, we can like people have sort of done the math and figured yeah. out she's gone, okay. uh, which is a bummer. That's such she a seemed, bummer. She seems so nice. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, why did um, the, but like why yeah, did the good the, ones have to die, <laughs> not the bad yeah, ones? <laughs> exactly. But like all the good ones that we have left, which is like Clint and Clint. um. Rocky and yeah. uh, I think Francis or Renfro or uh, yeah, one of them I think is also there. But like they're the ones that yeah we know, and there's sort of a, a bit of hope for me there that they can talk to those ones, and then all these mindless backup ones that have come in, they're the ones who are in the arena. So so they'll get killed by yeah, who cares about them or whatever? Yeah, um, they don't have names; they don't matter. <laughs> yeah, 
I want to pull out this moment because uh, Lucy asks the doe, hey, can you tell us anything? And the doe says, I can tell you your mother is currently safe. I know you're worried. Lucy says, thank you. And the next line is, Clint looked at the girls. And it's just, you know, it's a real Martha moment, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> a better written Martha moment, let's say. But, like, yeah, like, I, I don't think it's going to be enough. But, again, it's just setting up this, this, on the fenceness of the witch hunters, like where will the chips fall? I actually just could not say. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we might have finally reached a point where at least with these guys, they can talk. And as you bring up, yeah, that moment where like Clint has the realization that wait, hey, these girls have mothers, um, <laughs> which I, you know, he probably he like I'm sure he knew that, but like you know, he's always just appreciating it. Yeah, um, I'd be worried if he didn't know that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I guess uh, he thinks that that all monsters come from monster mothers, like he almost did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I I have hope that uh, Lucy and Avery are going to get to talk to these ones that they're left with and pull them on side. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see, or at least recruit them in trying to help stop Charles and Marcy, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the doe reveals that Charles, Marcy, and Liz will be here in about twenty minutes before heading back inside. The next battle begins as the witch hunters enter the arena. I <laughs> uh, can't, as I say, can't wait. I, I'm desperate for the next break chapter. I need to know how the witch hunters are handled in there. Yeah. And that's the, the end of these chapters. Um, gosh. <laughs> I just, I am fucking loving this story at the moment, right? Like, oh, it's so good. It's just so fucking good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. But that's all the story we have for right now. We'll get another chapter tomorrow, but for today, it's just these. So let's dive into some power predictions, shall we? Um, predictions that our community have left in our power predictor form. And I found one that I really like this week that I want to pull out, which is from, I think, a new predictor called Deku Sola. Um, Deku Sola says... They're thinking about Rook and Rook's name, and and in a few places it's kind of strongly implied that Rook's name has been chosen by Rook fairly recently, and potentially she changes names yep. very so often. Um, so why did Rook choose the name Crooked Rook, right? And and the thing that Teku pulls out that I hadn't thought of before is the Rook is a piece in chess that can do a very special thing, which is castling. Switching, you know, if you're not familiar with chess, effectively castling is... Um, not switching places with, but like doing a, a funny, unexpected kind of movement to have the rook and king both move in different ways to how they normally would, effectively. Um, yeah. So applying that here, who is the king? Theoretically, the Carmine throne. So John as the Carmine incumbent is potentially analogous to the king. So rook may be planning a shenanigan of her own where she will... Uh, somehow move John and herself in a pivotal moment to theoretically save John. Um, that's the prediction from Deku. And I, I like this. Like, we've been thinking about Crooked Rook and the name that Crooked Rook takes, especially because a rook in, in chess is a piece that moves very straight, but it's Crooked Rook, so so what is that? how does that play into it? Also, rook is obviously a, a, a corvid, like a, a raven-esque bird, and that's also kind of a tricky-ish vibe. Um so yeah, I just I just love the the theory crafting on Rook's name and and how it may potentially play in in a fun way. Yeah, I I I think it's been a long time, or if ever, that we've really talked. I love that pull about the castling as like 
that very only thing of suddenly this piece can move in the way that doesn't make sense to the rest of the rules you have. Mm, yeah. Um, like I, I think I think somebody else might have pulled that out for us early on, but like I'd forgotten about it, and seeing it tied into this theory here is really cool. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean the king. I I could also see the king being miss in Rook's head because like yeah, or even Musa potentially. I mean that's a mm, bit you know honorific for what Rook mm, would call Musa. I think. But. I think. Uh, I think. I think Rook would see Musa as the enemy king. Uh, sure. If anything. Uh, I mean, arguably the Kenneteers. I think no, but I think like the way Rook seems to really respect Miss makes me mm. think that if if she was gonna do this shit for anyone, it would be it would be Miss. Well, but that's the um, thing, right? Miss is currently off the board. Like, I guess Miss can move well, pretty quick, so maybe that's that's yeah. unfair. <laughs> I uh, Miss is gonna be involved in at some point in whatever yes. happens. Yes, so, so like she'll be there, and I think the idea that the idea that Rook would weigh down her life for Miss uh, actually, like, kind of checks out to me. I can see it. Mm, interesting. Uh, did you pull out a prediction this week? Yeah. I've got one from Alex. Uh, Alex says, uh, and, and we actually, to be fair, we got this from a bunch of people. Alex was just the first one mm. I saw uh, chronologically in our sheet. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Alex suggests that Charles is actually after the Alabaster's power but not her throne. Uh, so mm. Alabaster did talk here about how um, people can take the furs and get the protection and the power of them at the risk of becoming karmically bankrupt. And obviously, yeah. as Alex and some <laughs> other people pointed out, yeah, Charles, Charles is already lower to go. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's that means literally nothing to him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, like I think Alex was the first one, at least in this week, unless somebody said this ages ago, because I think alabasters were brought up in Mile End and, and we didn't really get to that part. Mm. Um, and, and this was talked about there too. But, yeah, uh, anyway, I, I just really like it as, like, it feels very marisicary that we've been so focused on the Carmine that something would come out of left field but still totally makes sense. Like, oh, no, that's not the one we're after. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, it's a cool trick. I could see it. I quite like it as a prediction, definitely. Um, so if you, dear listener, have a prediction that you want to make, the place to go is linked in the show notes down below. Our, uh, our link, The link to the Power Predictor form where you can make predictions on a range of topics, uh, including yeah, well, other, just, if you just have a MISC prediction. True. There's only two categories, actually. There is who That's will sit range. on the throne at the end and, That's two. and MISC. Two is a range. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very um, good range. You can also find the links in the show notes down below to our discussion threads where you can discuss these chapters, this episode, uh, or our discussion question, which is, of course, how do you see the brackets for the Carmine conspiracy <laughs> going? I'm kidding, Elliot. I'm kidding. The actual discussion question is, <laughs> is John making the right decision, even if, slash especially if, he ends up losing? Is his sacrificial play worth it? Yeah. Um I think those are technically both the discussion question this week. I want to see brackets and discussions. I would like of to John's see brackets decision. as well. Yes. Um, um, yeah. E- either fun. or. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't forget to check out our Twitter as well uh, at Power, uh, Power Reflect Cast. <laughs> you um, set it up. You should know. Yeah, I, I should. <laughs> um, you know, that's where we, you know, do the live reads, announce things about the episodes. Um, if if the end of the story is coming up soon it's going to be a place you can yes. start checking um, if elliot what do you mean what? if 
I mean, you know, as I said, while both finales, there could be another 10 yeah, chapters. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm just saying, like, as we reach the point where the epilogue happens, I'm assuming there'll be an epilogue. Yeah. Um, uh, we will start to have some pretty interesting announcement, announcements come epilogue time. So the Twitter will be the place to get uh, updates on those. Yeah, definitely. Um, or our Discord. Sorry, I'll probably I'll put it on the Discord too. We yeah. should shout that out hey, sometimes. Why not check out our Discord? It's free to join. You can discuss all manner of Wabo stuff and uh, all the shows on the Doof Media Network. You can find the Discord at doofmedia.com slash Discord. Uh, that's where you can find the link to it. But there's all kinds of cool stuff on the Doof Media website, uh, all kinds of other great shows that you can check out as well. Yeah, uh, Pale in Comparison, I think, is taking a, a little bit of a break as Jenny heads off on maternity leave, which means it's your perfect opportunity to go and catch up now yes. if you're not listening already. No. Uh, as we said, the story's probably wrapping up, so if you haven't read Pact, now's the time to go fucking start, and then you can catch up to Pale in Comparison. Listen, I, I if you've made it this far in Pale and you're just starting Pact, you should absolutely be listening to Pale in Comparison as you read Pact. Yeah, I have um, it on very good authority that... All of a sudden, and with no warning, actually a major character from Pact is going to come into the grand finale and be the Deus Ex Machina that saves the day. So if you want to understand that when it happens, you're going to have to go back and read Pact. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Wobbo's a lie. Just going to, Wobbo's uh, just going to change his mind uh, yeah. one and a half million words in about it not being yeah. needing you know, Pact. You know what? I think this actually should require a lot of deep knowledge of Pact. No, it's not because it's not even going to be one of the main characters from Pact. It's going to be no, a yeah. side character that you won't really understand unless you you really go back and listen to all the podcasts and discuss it and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and, and you know, if you if you prefer audiobooks, it's worth pointing out the packed audiobook is uh, going to hit the end of packed in like a couple of weeks. At this point, it's been releasing daily. Like the whole thing's been recorded. It's just releasing daily for podcast analyticsy reasons. Um, so yeah, like uh, the packed audiobook is very very good. Speed Chuck is a great reader. So um. Yeah. Easy way to digest the story. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you want to support the uh, work that we do here at Doof Media or that any of the uh, of the Doof Media Show podcasts do, um, Doof Media Show podcasts, Doof Media Network podcasts is what I meant to say, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Doof Media. Uh, we do all kinds of uh, exclusive content, bonus events and things like that. We had a... Um, uh, a invincible watch along party today, which was very fun. We watched the first two episodes of Invincible and discussed them live, which was delightful. We're almost certainly going to be doing some more stuff like that in the future. So, a good place to to stay informed is uh, go to the Patreon and ensure that you're uh, supporting us and getting access to all the cool bonus contents. I uh, was really bummed I couldn't make that. It it looked like a great time, and I'm hoping I'm hoping to do that when the final season of The Expanse comes out. So I wanted to see how it went. Mm. It went well. I mean, technically, it all seemed to go off without a hitch, so it was pretty good. It's awesome. Um, I might try and catch the VOD. I wonder if you can do that with watch parties. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Find out. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, uh, speaking of Patreons, patreon.com forward slash Wabo. That's the place to go if you want to put money in and get, you know, sad, horrifying, but delightful stories <laughs> back out. Yeah, it's a pretty good exchange rate, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah, make sure you go and support. I mean, the, sorry, the, the words, the words to dollar ratio. Can't oh yeah, be it's got to be like... pretty good. Um, but yeah, before we, so yes, thank you for joining us, folks. Now, of course, before we wrap up, Elliot, we are going to quickly go back to Pact. <laughs> God damn little... it! I knew. As soon as I saw the Facebook message you sent me like two minutes ago, I was like, he's gonna. 
He's going to make us go back to Pact yeah, just to talk this. We're going this. back to Pact just to discuss this. So if you haven't read Pact, you can check out now. That's fine. Uh, we're You're not t- going to be missing anything. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but to d- get into Pact spoilers for a bit, Elliot, how fucking hilarious would it be if at the very end of this story... <laughs> Right at the very end. Go on, say it. <laughs> right as Mariska is about to win, the defenestration man shows up and pushes Mariska out of a window and saves the day. I think it would be fucking hilarious, and I'm so here for it. Yeah. Um. I know so, it would be breaking all the rules of this. Story. Yeah. I know it would be so. It's so never going to happen. But it would just be fucking hilarious. Well, but make it, it happen. Be. You know. Um, like, like it reminds me. I remember, like, when Harry Potter was coming out. Um, I like I stopped reading them halfway through, but I remember saying I wanted the seventh book to end with Harry waking up under the stairs, and it was all a dream. <laughs> Just because I was like, that would have started World War Three. Yeah, like that would have been the most hilarious prank ever played on the entire fucking world because Harry Potter was so big then. Yeah, yeah. And this would be like, yeah, the Wobbo web serial equivalent prank. of that. Just- uh, uh, speaking of Harry Potter, Harry Potter spoilers here, by the way, but I do think it was actually Defenestration Man that pushed Dumbledore out of that window to his death. If you read between the lines, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Did, wait, did he Did he get... I, I, I never made it that yeah, far. he got did he just shot get, out of is a that window. How he died? Yeah, he got oh. blasted out of window by... I mean, what, the, what the big media wants you to think is that it was Snape, but no, it was actually Defenestration Man. Yeah, so um, my knowledge of this ends at the meme of Snape killed Dumbledore being a spoiler meme. <laughs> Snape killed Dumbledore dot 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 by push by I think pushing him out of a window. That, that feels very low tech. I'm sure he like shot yeah. him with a spell or whatever. But I just have a vision of Dumbledore falling out of a window. Maybe I'm just making this up. Maybe I'm merging <laughs> Harry Potter and Pact in my mind. Also, while we're in back to Pact territory, I, to put aside the silliness wait, for a bit. Wait, hold on. Before we do. Um, our reflecting guests have already jotted down a bunch of notes. Oh, for actually, this stuff. is the thing that I think you mentioned that they were going to talk about. So never mind. If you yeah. want to find out what I was about to say, it relates to the defenestration man. Then you'll just have to uh, tune into the reflecting episode when we, when if this arc ever ends. Yeah. <laughs> no, Ruben and I had a really funny moment where we're like, should we do a back to pack to talk about some of this stuff? Oh, well, why don't we just chuck it in the reflecting notes? And we went in, and our reflecting guests already put like all three points we wanted to bring <laughs> up in there. It was like, oh, they're two steps ahead. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be a very fun reflecting episode for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Bye. <laughs> we need to get like a back to packed outro. No, we <laughs> it's don't. too late now. This How is dare just the pattern. You.